Hello everyone, this is episode number 146 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is June 16th, 2020. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is Mr. Jay Totoro. Hello, good afternoon. Jay, how's it going? It's going, going pretty good. It's uh, been a crazy week so far, and it's like Tuesday, but you know. Been a crazy week. It's been a crazy few weeks. Um, it's been a crazy year in, in overall, but I just meant in terms of just just kind of tired. I, I know. Crazy. I gotcha. What's um, next? What's next month? Do you think it's going to be volcanoes, fire, tornadoes? Nah, it's got to be worse than that. That wouldn't wow. even that wouldn't even make the news. That is true. Um, I don't really know what to say about all the uh, about about you know the protests. And, uh, and and George Floyd and the, all that really bad stuff. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the pro, to, you know, not saying the protests are bad stuff. I just mean all the bad stuff in general. Besides, uh, besides, just uh, you know, I thank you to everyone who's kind of making your voice heard, who's who's attending protests, doing whatever you can to to help you know make some sort of change. Uh, I don't know really what else to do or say about that any any input on that i know i'm probably i really wish you and i would have talked about it it's actually probably better because it's 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 more authentic because generally when robert and i talk about very sensitive issues or things that we feel passionate about we generally touch base beforehand like when we talked about the hong kong protests in regards to blizzard i think it was last year yeah um, we touched base beforehand just to kind of align with certain things but no i I think you you did um some, some good justice with it I would say for for anybody who's still struggling to understand with what is going on and why there is a message being screamed at the volume that it is being screamed, probably a good idea to open your ears and close your mouth and just listen to what people are saying. Um, try to be understanding and empathetic towards the situation other people may, may be experiencing because we are going through a very serious moment in history from a civil rights perspective. And I would say if you are on board and you totally agree with it, I would, I would encourage you to do what you can to support um, you know, people you work with. I work with a number of, of, obviously, with black people, and I have black people on my team, and I do what I can to support them. And I've been talking with them a lot over the last couple of weeks, and I've I've learned a lot. So I would highly encourage you to reach out to, to your black colleagues. If you guys um, work in a large company, touch base with them. Just kind of open your ears, let them talk. It's, it's what I've been doing, and I will tell you it's been, it's been very, very um, opening, eye-opening. Thank you. Uh... For the message and also for putting it a million times uh, more eloquently than, than I did. <laughs> I I feel very, very passionate about this. Lisa went to the protests here in the Valley. Um, I would have loved to have gone. I have a pre-existing health condition. So if I do get COVID, I'm pretty much toast. So unfortunately, I can't go. But um, yeah, I definitely encourage and support anybody who's doing it. Because, you know, I think there, there are things that are of higher value than really anything else. So. Yeah, very very well put. Um, yeah, I, I I I can't add anything to that. So uh, you know whatever you know be you know there that's the situation. It sucks, but 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 just do whatever you can um, to try to make it better. Yep. Um, we got a game of the quarter today. We, we do. We yep. Yeah, we got um, what else? What else is worth mentioning right now? Do you want to talk about next episode or do you want to talk about that at the end? Why don't we save the next episode teaser for when we get to next episode's top five? Okay. 
Um, so we have our games of the episode. We have our game of the quarter. I think. Was there any news you want to talk about? I have. I have a bit of news. Yeah, quite a okay. bit of news. Um, these are in no particular order, so I'm just going to go through them as I have them. Ubisoft are doing makeovers for four of the older Anno games. Anno. This is this is a uh, this news came from Rock Paper Shotgun, Anno sixteen o two, excuse me, Anno fifteen o three, Anno seventeen o one, and Anno fourteen o four. It says they're going to get four K resolutions, multiplayer matchmaking, and um, and just kind of like an upresed version of the games. It sounds like nothing like nothing huge, but basically remasters uh, is what it sounds like. Um, the Anno games are kind of like Colony. Sim okay. slash strat strategy games where uh, you're on a colony, you're you're on an island typically, and you're building up your colony, making sure your people are happy. Um, go into trading with you know, go into other islands to either trade or just harvest things that are there. Setting up trade routes on your ships. It, it's a um, I, I don't remember which one I played. I think the one that I've played was Anno fifteen oh three. And I really got sucked into it for a little while, a few years back. So these are really good games. Should be fun to see what they do with these. Uh, oh, okay, here's a really interesting one. And we're a little bit late talking about this. I don't remember if this... I, I think this has probably come out uh, before we did the last episode. And for whatever reason, I just forgot to mention it. But you've, you've, if you keep up with gaming news, or in, in particular classic gaming news, you've probably heard this by now. But... Someone discovered that, uh, or someone wrote an article. Uh, a guy that runs a website, a website called Obscuratory.com. I'm sorry, I don't have his name uh, on hand. I'm going to see if I can. Uh, Phil Salvador is his name. He wrote this amazing article, very well researched article, uh, well researched, interviewed people who were there for this and, and all that uh, about. Uh, a, a series of sim games uh, made by Maxis, or actually it's, it, Maxis kind of outsourced them, but they were used for businesses as like business as their internal software for teaching their employees about things. One of the main ones that they have here was called is called Sim Refinery, and. Uh, they this is this this is a a sim a re, an oil refinery simulation game that they made for Chevron to use to show to kind of train their employees and show them how how things work together how like their part of job of the job fits into the bigger picture. So we can blame Maxis for Chevron <laughs> taking over, as we were telling me. Uh huh. Son of we, a bitch. We can do that. And we, uh, what else was I, was I going to say? I don't remember what else I was going to say. But so, and this was, you know, they, they didn't sell these to the public. This was purely for internal use. How this, bizarre. It's very bizarre. And, and, and not only did they make this, and this guy wrote this amazing article about it, but someone actually, shortly after this article came out, someone came up with a copy of the game 
No and so shit. people, yeah, so a few YouTube channels actually show it in action. It's, you know, not, it's still prototype and not, you know, 100% complete. Some of the things don't quite work, but, uh, there have been people that have been able to get this running on, you know, older computers. And, uh, does it look fun? It doesn't look fun. <laughs> no. It looks, um, a little bit drab and, uh, not super, uh, not super fun. No. Looks like it probably would do a good job of showing, you know, how this and that works together, but um, not fun. It's interesting. They, they uh, Will Wright, who's kind of, you know, the, the father of the Sim games, SimCity and all that, he, he's, you know, the, the kind of the creator of this. Um, he, he makes the point that when he made SimCity, he actually wasn't trying to accurately simulate the way a city works because he basically said that once he, you know, gave that a little bit of thought and started trying that, he realized it's basically impossible. So SimCity is more, he kind of, I think described it as a caricature of how a city works. Makes sense. And similarly with Sim Refinery, it's not teaching people all the details about how a refinery works, but it's more like big picture here are the puzzle pieces and how they work together in a broad way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was very interesting. I, I highly recommend. There's a long-ass article on this website, obscuratory.com, with an article about this. And uh, there's also... So they mentioned a couple other projects. The, the division or, or the, these... The, these uh, these kind of side projects that they did never really took off too strongly in general. Um, this Sim Refinery one, I think they, you know, made the prototype and it really didn't go far beyond that. Then there were others that barely got off the ground or didn't even get off the ground. One of the other main ones <laughs> was this game called Project Challenge. And um, it's, it's like a... Uh, management, like, like you're managing a business team, uh, game, and it looks like about the worst thing I would I can imagine playing if I'm an employee who if I'm a manager at a company and someone says, "Hey, play this game so you can learn how to manage your employees." It, it, it sounds like hell, basically. I'm gonna send you this link, and I'm I've got a new slightly new audio setup uh, for recording this. So I'm not sure if uh, the podcast recording is going to pick this up. I hope it does. But here, go to go to this. Here's a video. Someone played about eight minutes of this like project team management game. And uh, there's video of it on YouTube. Go to this and just jump to a minute 58. Okay, <laughs> Okay. And just watch it for about 10 seconds just to get an idea of how, frankly, terrible this this is. That's probably one of your team members knocking on your door. I understand that there have been some complaints about my interpersonal skills. Perhaps I could take some training to improve my skills in this area. It sounds like we need to work on improving this team member's skills. Why don't you go to the organization chart to access the team member report? So that's... Okay, uh... uh, <laughs> do we want to talk about the fact that he is the door? <laughs> that he what? 
He is the door. He is the door. <laughs> Did you not notice he, the background is not transparent? Hold on. <laughs> Go to two minutes and watch what happens when the dude walks in the door. Okay, all right. Oh. <laughs> that, like the bra- I see, okay, like the brown area behind yeah. him. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. So, so this looks kind of painful. Uh, you're yeah. basically sitting at your desk and you have a million different spreadsheets that you can look at and, and, and click on and do things with. There's just one other part that um, it was, you know, more or less uh, how to manage tough situations when things start to go bad. And some girl comes in and she says, uh, I just want to let you know that I'm leaving my position for some other company. And then you have a few options and it's, and one of the options says, you know, explain to her why she's needed and try to convince her to stay. (laughs) And so he just clicks that and then she ends up being like, oh, thanks. You know, now that you've explained it to me, I've decided I'm going to stay. Oh (laughs) my God. And then the narrator goes, whew, that was a tough situation, but you handled it really well. (laughs) Like, you literally just clicked one button. So, uh, yeah, not the most uh, engaging software ever. It's unfortunately kind of easy to see why this didn't really ever take off. But it's really, I don't really know. I see a lot of value in it personally. But, <laughs> but it's really yeah. Jay, you can get a copy of this. You're a you're a project manager, right? You can, why don't you find a copy of this and uh, and make get a one up on my peers. Get a one up on your peers, exactly. Uh, Namco Museum Archives, Volume 1 and 2, are have been announced, and they are coming out uh, in two days from today, June 18th. So, this is uh, two, as I said, two volumes, Namco's are releasing these. They're coming out for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, the usual suspects. And um, they just have a bunch of old games on them. Real quick list of the games, Namco Museum Archives, Volume 1 has I want, I, want, I want to hear I want us to uh, I want to hear which one of these volumes you think is better Jay I'm gonna give my thoughts too I haven't really looked at this too closely yet okay. volume one has dig dug dragon Buster dragon spirit the new legend galaxian mappy pac-man pac-man championship edition 8-bit demastered version damn <laughs> I'm guessing that's like an 8-bit version of... The, it's not like an old uh, Pac-Man game. It's the new Pac-Man game that I'm guessing they made look like an old game. Oh, I see. Splatterhouse, Wanpaku Graffiti, uh, Sky Kid, The Tower of Druaga, and Xevious. <laughs> Volume 2 has Battle City, Big Dug 2, they made a second one of those? I actually didn't know that. Holy shit. Did I know that? Dragon Buster 2. Uh, oh, damn. Is this Volume 2? Because they got is, a lot of 2. Yeah, this is Volume 2. Dig Dug 2 looks like a golf game. What? I just pulled it up. Hold on. I don't know if it is, but it looks like a... F- okay, no, it's not a golf game. But it re- if you look at a screenshot, it 100% looks like a golf game. Okay, you're above ground, though. So uh, you're not digging anymore, I guess? Instead of the dig, 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 dug, dig above ground, like what? <laughs> it's dig already dug. There you go. Galaga, Gapless, eight bit consolized version, 
Legacy of the Wizard. Mappy Land. Okay, apparently that's different from Mappy, I guess. Uh, Mendel Palace. Pack Land. Rolling Thunder. Oh, and the first one had Xevious. This one has Super Xevious. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Alright, Jay, which one? Definitely the first one. I mean, I don't really know that many of these titles to begin with, but, you know, I'm gonna go. I was thinking the first one... Uh, as I was reading it, I don't know, let's see. First one, I'm, I'm, the ones I'm interested in. Dick Dug, what's Galaxian? That sounds super familiar. Isn't that I, I, I know the name, I'm trying to picture what it is. Okay, it's like a, uh, Asteroids clone, basically. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm sorry, not Asteroids, um, Space Invaders. Um, then Mappy, I thought that was Mappy Land, so that, so I was super interested in that, but it looks like Map, Mappy Land is actually, uh, the sequel. I'm really interested also in what Splatterhouse Wanpaku Graffiti is. Because the Splatterhouse games, you know... It's a pretty are strong you... title. Yeah. I don't know the game at all, but that's a pretty strong title. How... <laughs> but but then, Galaga and uh, Mappy Land are on the other one. Whew, it's a tough call. If I, if, I have to pick right, if I had to pick right now, I'd probably go for the second one, I think. Because I'm not a big Pac-Man fan, so those don't hold a lot of sway on me. I think I'm going to go with number two. He's got Galaga. It's got Mappy Land. I know I like both of those games. Dig Dug 2, haven't tried it. But uh, I'd like to give it a shot. Yeah, I think that's the one that I would go with. So anyway, that's coming out on the 18th. It'll probably be out by the time this podcast comes out. By the way. Oh, yeah? Happy early Father's Day. Oh, thank you very much. I, uh, I'm excited. Good. Um. Oh, I'm getting. Oh, Four Fathers. By the way, that actually is somewhat related. Four Fathers Day. I'm getting a Turbo is Graphics. This, is this appropriate? Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm getting a Turbo Graphics 16 Mini. Uh, so that's I'm excited about that, and I will be playing that, and I'll talk about that soon on the podcast. Cool. All right, another classic game collection is coming out. Or actually did come out today as we're recording this. The Darius Cosmic Collection. Um, oh, there's two of these, too. One of them is Darius... Co- I didn't look at the details, apparently. Darius Cosmic Collection Arcade and Darius Cosmic Collection Console. As you can probably guess, one is arcade games. The other one is uh, old console games. Let's see. The arcade one has Darius. The, ar- the arcade original version. Darius, the arcade new version. Darius, arcade extra version. Darius 2, arcade dual screen version. Sagaya, I don't know what it is, but it's all caps. S-A-G-A-I-A, arcade version 1. Sagaya, arcade version 2. And Darius Gaiden. The The console collection has Darius 2, the Japanese... Mega Drive version, Sagaya, the Genesis US version, Sagaya, the Master System EU version, Darius Twin Super Famicom uh, Japanese version, Darius Twin Super NES US version, Darius Force Super Famicom Supernova, which is Super NES, Darius Alpha, which is PC Engine Japanese, and Darius Plus, which is also PC Engine Japanese. Jesus. Uh, don't really... I've only played, I think, Darius Twin, maybe? 
Maybe it wasn't even that. I, I think I've played a Darius game. Um, I, it's just a side-scrolling shoot 'em up I believe. And that's all I know about it. Did you hear how many titles were between one and two? Goddamn. <laughs> um, what's this? Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. And the last one, my favorite piece of news <laughs> for this episode, the Game Gear Micro. Oh, I, I saw posts about this. I thought they were memes. I thought they were memes. Okay. So hot on the heels of the Sega Genesis Mini, which was which was killer. The Sega Genesis Mini was one of the best of this new, you know, uh, I don't want to say fad, but this new, you know... Uh, it kind of is, right? Kind of, fad is, I feel like that's usually kind of used in a condescending way. This new trend, I'll say, of uh, deleting... Uh, deleting? What the fuck am I trying to say? Of releasing... Uh, miniature versions of old consoles preloaded with a bunch of uh, classic games. Obviously, Nintendo started it off with the NES Classic. That was killer. The Super Nintendo Classic was also killer. There were a bunch of flops. The Turbo Graphics one is supposed to be... Well, not flops, but a bunch that... Uh, a few that weren't... That turned out to be not very good. Like the PlayStation one, the Neo Geo one. I've heard good things about the Turbo Graphics one. That's why I'm getting it for Father's Day. The Sega Genesis one was really, was really, really good. Really rivaled even the the Nintendo ones. And now Sega Genesis is doing the same thing. Thank you Windows. Doing the same thing with the Game Gear. Uh these so, Sorry, who's releasing who's re-releasing it? Sega. Okay, I was I, I sorry, I thought I heard you say Microsoft and I was like, "Wait, what?" No, with okay. the, uh my Windows like just gave me a loud notification. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so the Game Gear Micro, there's actually four models. They each have four games, but they each have four different games. So, for instance, the black one has Sonic the Hedgehog, Puyo Puyo 2, Outrun, Royal Stone. The blue one has Sonic Chaos, Gunstar Heroes, Sail of Intel, Baki They Baki did Animal. not. Yeah. Then there's a yellow one and a red run, a red and a red one. That each have uh, different games also. So there's that. They're fifty dollars each for one of the for four games, and they're the tiniest fucking things you can imagine playing a video game on. You could accidentally swallow one of these. You saw that, I assume, right? Like, the picture yeah. of the Game Gear in the person's hand? I thought it was a joke. Like, yeah. I didn't realize this is a real thing. It, 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 it makes me think... And so, realistically, how many titles are on each one of these? There's four on each. It, it makes me think back to the 90s. You remember 90s? You had those individual plastic contraptions that would have one yes. or two games? That's, yes. That's literally what it makes me think of. Obviously, yeah. they were much larger, but... Yeah, you're talking about, like, the Tiger Electronics stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have a bunch of those. Do you still have them, really? Yeah, I have like Street Fighter, uh, Aladdin. That's impressive that you still Lion have Lion King yours. and something. Well, um, these <laughs> are ridiculously small and uh, do not sound like they're worth $50 at all, much less 200 for 
all of them. If you buy, if you do buy all of them, according to TheVerge.com, uh, if you buy all, if you buy a package, wait, for some reason, <laughs> if you buy the pack of all four of them, so it comes with a, uh, a, a, a magnifying glass accessory that you can clip onto it. No, it which, doesn't. That's gotta be a meme. Which, if you... If you're making that, then do you not, like, say to yourself, maybe we're doing these too small. Um, but anyway, but but if you but if you buy that with the package with that, then it costs fifty more dollars, I guess, for that extra thing. So it's two hundred and fifty to buy the four pack with the magnifying glass. You know, what'd be dope is if you buy all four and you can combine them, and it makes a real game <laughs> the here. Voltron? And you can buy a real game. Yeah. Uh, That's disappointing, man. Game Gear was such a great system. Apparently, uh, I had a lot of fun with my Game Gear. I I think a lot of people don't like it. Oh, really? I think so. screen, man. Yeah. I really liked it. Uh, Same. I don't know how well it holds up. I'd like to play one. You know, this... I I might... I'm not one of these, but I might get a real Game Gear soon. They were really... I do remember them being heavy. And I was a child, but... (laughs) I think that the battery life was a problem because they were... Yeah, I I had to keep mine plugged in for the most part. Okay. uh, Apparently, these are coming out October 6th. However, it says no word yet on a release date. So that's October 6th... I'm sorry. On a Western release date, rather. So that's October sixth in Japan. Uh, I don't. I th- I think it's been confirmed that they're coming out outside of Japan, but I don't even know for sure if that's been confirmed. So, uh, but yeah, uh, don't think they're going to sell too well. At least not here. All right, Jay. That's all we got for news this time. Do you have anything else? Uh, we'll, I'll talk about it in a minute, but no, nothing else uh, Nothing else besides that for news. Okay. Jay, do you want to... So this is so Game of the Quarter today. Uh, our Game of the Quarter is Beautiful Joe. This one, was your, this one was your pick, so I'll let you decide. Do we want to talk about Beautiful Joe first or last? Or in between? Let's do it last. Okay. I like doing it last as well. So how about... Uh, how about you go first? Sure. I was going to say you've been talking for a minute, so I think it's yeah. probably appropriate. Um, so, funny enough, the game that I chose, I was expecting you to talk about in the news section, but you didn't, so that, that's always good. And maybe we talked about it last time, because maybe the release date was prior to our last podcast. But um, I ended up purchasing, and, and we actually played a little bit together, and I didn't say it at the time, because I, I was hoping you wouldn't think about it, but uh, um, the re-release, speak, speaking of re-releases, of uh, Command & Conquer and Red Alert. So um, I bought it on Steam. You and I played a little bit, but I've played quite a bit more um, on my own, both doing the single-player campaign along with Skirmishes, which is like the um, just playing against AI. I didn't play anything online because I just... I'll kind of get into it, but it just didn't really entice me at all. Okay. Um, So this was... It was actually a pretty hyped re-release. Generally, games that are coming out and re-releases, people are excited for just the kind of the concept, right? They're like, oh, one of my favorite games or one of, one of the games I remember from my childhood. I really want to play this game. In this case, the, the company that re-released it, which is, I, think it's, I think it's EA. I'm pretty sure it's EA. Um, but they, they did a pretty good, pretty good job of promoting it and, and really getting feedback from the community on how they want to approach it. Um, so they did do some balance. 
which I don't know specifically what they did, but I did read that they did some, some balancing based on some, the feedback that had been given to them by consumers. And then as well, they made some adjustments to some of the, I, I don't wanna call them bugs, but some of the exploits that, that people utilize in like, I guess competitive or in multiplayer. So I don't know the specifics about it because I never played at that caliber. The only thing I remember doing as a kid is, is there's a trick to throw grenades across the map. So like you, your grenadiers, you can, um, if you queue up a grenade to throw it, you then right click across the map and, and they, they will just throw it across the map instead of throwing it in their normal range, which is pretty cool. And oh, it, I remember I'm, that. Yeah, I'm assuming in, in like competitive or, or in multiplayer, it's probably a little bit different, but um, yeah. So this is the original Command and Conquer and the original Red Alert. So not not uh, any of the, the sequels or anything like that. Uh, so first off, let, let's talk about the visuals and the sound. The graphic updates are phenomenal. So the, the game, when you first start playing, it has the bad graphics. So the, not the bad graphics, but the old graphics. And as you're playing, you're like, oh, cool. Like, it, it's very interesting to see how poor the graphics were. But still, it, it's interesting to me how much information is conveyed with such poor graphics. But it, it was kind of cool to see the, the low the extremely low resolution. And then it, as you start playing, you're like a few minutes in, it goes, you know, press the space bar to switch over to the new graphics. And you hit space bar, and boom. The graphics update. And the cool thing is you can do it back and forth whenever you want. Yeah. So you can literally just spam it back and forth, which I did find an exploit for, and I'll explain that in a minute. But no, generally really. you can just swap back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but generally you can swap back and forth um, without any issue. Uh, it's, it's very, very seamless. It doesn't cause the game to freeze or lag or anything like that. It's actually a pretty, pretty seamless process. Uh, and I'll say that across the board. I mean, the actual product itself was pretty damn good. It, it, the only time that I really found a, a big lag was when you and I played. It took a good amount of time for the maps to open. So like Robert and I would join a lobby and then we'd add AI and then we'd queue or hit start or whatever. And sometimes it would take a good amount of time to start. That's the only real system issue that I noticed. The updated music, so the original soundtrack for, for Command and & Conquer and Red Alert respectively had some very unique soundtracks. Very, I almost want to call them iconic. They're, they, I remember listening to them, not, not away from the game, but I remember listening to them as a kid and kind of jamming out to them. I mean, there's some pretty unique tracks to it, and they, they did a good job of updating them. They're, they're, they didn't really change any of them. They just obviously increased the quality, which I, I was thought, really impressed with that. I thought the music was one of the best things about the remake, about this, this remaster. Yeah, and the fact that they didn't change it all, I was really impressed because I was like, ah, they're probably going to update it, maybe add some you know newer technology to it, which is they've done that in other games, right? Like when they've done re-releases, they've utilized new equipment to, to make it sound you know more updated and blah blah. No, it was just it just sounded like a much cleaner, more updated quality, which was pretty cool. Uh, so the the music and graphics were definitely there. The gameplay, um, as I kind of talked about before, you know, the seamlessness of this product is is good. There, I found very few issues with any form of the actual gameplay. Um, so, so with that being said, we'll start talking about some of, some of the negatives. So the, the actual game itself is realistically my biggest, not complaint, but realization. Uh, so this you're, you're is talking a, about, let me, sorry, you're talking about Red Alert specifically, because this is what, it was a Red Alert and Command and Conquer remaster. I'm going to talk about Command and Conquer first. Okay. Okay. So, so Command and Conquer is, is obviously the older of the two. It is a very simplistic game. There's, there's yes. not a lot to it. And Red Alert, not to be honest, really isn't much more. It's a very simplistic game. It's a very simple. So th this isn't a real-time, this is a real-time strategy game too. So when I went into this, I was like, oh, real-time strategy game. You know, I've played a ton of different RTSs. Generally, there's some sort of mac macro or econ that you need to do to try and, and stay in the game. And then ultimately you build up an army, you migrate your way over there, blah, blah, blah. This game is is missing both, in my opinion, and, and maybe I'm just an absolute 
freaking scrub, but it's missing both the macro and the micro element. Uh, I felt I felt like the the micro elements were, yeah. were pretty lackluster, and the the macro was even worse. So so essentially, the macro the, was, for those was a little was a bit lacking. This, this so just to interject, uh, Command and Conquer I played a good bit of. I, I didn't play much Red Alert yet. I will. But I did play a good... I was going to actually talk about Command & Conquer also. So this is like a second game of the quarter double whammy we got going. Oh, yeah, true. Right? So so, so the actual... And both games share the same same level of macro. There, there's a little bit more depth with the Red Alert one, but it's nothing It's nothing to write home about. So the the actual concept... So basically, when you start a map out, you it, it, we'll talk about the skirmish, the, the skirmishes, which are just kind of practice maps, and then we'll talk about the campaign. So in the practice maps, essentially you have what's called S is it MCV? MCV. It's a I don't even want to, I don't even know what it stands for. It doesn't matter. But it's a mobile base, and you choose where you want to deploy it. You start with like a small tank or a light tank rather, and then two medium tanks and a basic infantry. And one of the one of the interesting things about this as an RTS, and really in a lacking strategy perspective, is once you scout the fog of war, it never comes back, and it doesn't come back even with like a, a transparency right. to it. It's just gone. It's permanent, so it, permanent vision for any part of the map you've ever scouted. Yeah, so it, at the very beginning, like I said, you start with two medium tanks, a light tank, and infantry. If you send them all out in different directions, and generally you spawn in one of the corners too, right? So if, if you're up in the upright corner and you send a tank west, send a tank south, send a, a, a tank southwest, and then send everything else, or you, you walk your infantry kind of to fill out any of the spaces you missed, you're going to explore the majority of the map before your opponent really leaves their base, or... Or rather, you're, you're going to see them a little bit, but they can't kill you. I mean, they're not going to kill any of your vehicles because uh, one of the things about micro in this game is if your vehicles are moving, it's very hard to hit them to get full damage. Because if units are moving, uh, generally you do you do substantially less damage, like like sub 25% if I had to guess. I don't know specifically, but it just kind of feels like oh, really? the damage if you, is not If there. you damage a moving unit, they take less damage? It's not that they take less damage. It's almost like a glancing blow. So your, your Ooh, overall, okay. your damage is greatly reduced. So, so generally, if you're like moving and shooting, which the moving shooting is kind of cool, uh, I will say that that was kind of the most, uh, the most impactful part of the actual micro for me was was the moving and shooting command because you, if you do it well enough, you can essentially run run uh, other tanks down pretty easily, including like the harvesters, which is the the mining type vehicle. So, as I was talking about the fog of war, once it's gone, it's gone, and so you deploy your base, and generally you deploy your base near ore, which is the the primary resource of this game. So you basically find a good spot, you drop your, your command center down, and then you build a power plant because power is is the primary resource, other than actual money that you need to function and to keep your base afloat. So, um, with that being said, uh, once you finish your your power plant, you build your ore refinery, and this is where the game kind of slows down a lot because ore refinery. If I had to guess, Robert, maybe 60 seconds, 90 seconds to build? Is that probably reasonable? Yeah, yeah, something like that. So for 60 seconds, you're not really doing a whole lot. You're kind of just sit, sitting there twiddling your thumbs because you're essentially waiting for, for that to finish. Oh, I forgot to mention, too. So you have these different tabs. You have a tab for building. You have a tab for infantry. You have a tab for building vehicles. And you have a tab for uh, tech. And you can't build infantry unless you have a barracks, and you can't build vehicles unless you have a, a, what's called, a, I believe it's called a war factory. Yeah. Um, so essentially, once you um, once you build your ore refinery, that's when the game kind of opens up because you have the availability to do a little bit more, and you can start ex- actually expanding outward and building additional buildings. So it, 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 at that point, the game kind of opens up a little bit more. I know there are some, I watched some videos and people were showing, displaying, there are some strategies you can do where you essentially build a power plant, build a barracks, and just run the, run the other person down the streets with, with infantry. Because the, the way that uh, units build in this game, 
they don't build like like if you think StarCraft, right? You have you have a, you have three barracks, right? And you can you you click on all three barracks and then you press A to build three Marines and you you're building three Marines at a time. In this game, if you have a barracks, if you if you have a barracks, um, you queue up a Marine. The Marine queues up. Once it's done, it comes out of the barracks. If you have two barracks, there it not it does not build two Marines at the same time. What ends up happening is your Marines will build faster. In, in, in a sense. So that's kind of the idea. That's the whole purpose of building extra barracks, which generally it's kind of pointless because the infantry builds very quickly. So you generally don't need to build a whole lot of barracks. So after you build your barracks, you get your war factory. Um, and I forgot to mention too, when you build your ore refinery, which is your, your primary way to, to gather money and, re and one of the primary resources in this game, once it's completed, essentially your, your mining vehicle will spawn at the refinery and it will go out on the map automatically. And I say automatically with air quotes here. Uh, it will go out and start mining ore until it's full, and then it comes home and deploys it. Um, and then the uh, if you build additional or uh, miner, I forgot what they're called. Uh, what are the mining vehicles called? I think they're called harvesters. Harvesters. I think they're called harvesters. You can build additional harvesters to the war factory, and let's say if you you know you have one ore refinery and three uh, harvesters, what what ends up happening in a lot of cases, which is one of the most frustrating things, is they get congested, and the AI is really stupid on them. So if you have three three harvesters, they go out, they mine, <laughs> yeah. they come home, and one of them is currently utilizing the ore refinery because they basically like they have to park very, they have to like parallel park inside this thing, and then they drop all their ore off. If for whatever reason the ore refinery is being used when another harvester approaches, it just decides to start doing these awkward, terribly microed um, laps around the ore refinery, and it gets kind of stuck. And you have to, a lot of times you have to intervene because they just end up getting stuck and they just kind of sit there idly in a really stupid pattern. Yeah, sometimes it'll get stuck and then block the other one from leaving, so then they're both just sitting. <laughs> yeah, and the worst part is if you have two ore refineries next to each other and one of them's full, they don't go to the other one. They just start, they just do laps around the one that's being, being used, which is <laughs> so frustrating. And, and I get that because basically their intention is they use the one that's closest to wherever they're mining ore from. So with this being said, this sounds like a pretty interesting RTS so far, right? So you get your, you well, get your ore refinery. Can, I, can I mention something else about the harvest, about multiple it. harvesters? It is not, uh, so on Command and Conquer, it is not until deep into the tech tree that you can build a second harvester. So going back to what you said about the macro not being, you know, they're basically not being much to it. That is kind of one of the chief reasons because you can't, you can't really say, oh, I'm going to do a econ, you know, build. Because, I mean, you could build a whole nother, uh, I guess you could build ore a whole refinery. nother ore refinery. Yeah. But it's not really worth it. Um, and it delays everything else so much. Yeah, right, exactly. Because yeah. really, you can only build one building at once. Um, and so, yeah, you can't do anything else. So it's like 10 or 15 minutes into a game that you can build, that you get, you know, the tech to build another harvester so there's really no such thing as you know doing a micro based game or whatever you're kind of doing the same general build anytime you don't focus on economy or rushing it's all just usually pretty much the same yeah and i will say from what i what i experienced so far playing the game is if you build units early and pressure you're going to do well if you go for a macro oriented build you're going to lose and if you go for yeah. a tech build you're really going to so um, so with that being said, you know, you were kind of talking about the macro. So you build, or you, you can build additional harvesters. We talked about it. It, it. it is very slow and it's generally not really that great. 
Um, the so at that point, so after you get your your war factory, you can start building tanks, and they take a while. So if you build like a light tank or a medium tank, they take quite a while. They, um, and it takes that, a while to get for the harvester to get money too. So the pace, yeah. like the general pace, is just very slow. Well, it's weird too. So so the, the in, your income pacing is very slow. But the odd thing is, and this is one of my biggest gripes about this, you can mine out a map extremely quick. Oh, you're yeah, generally yeah. what I was doing is. I would build like an ore refinery and then I would, I would build my war factory. I build a couple tanks and build another, another harvester. So I'd have two harvesters in the map, sometimes three, depending on how, how big the map was. And I kid you not, what ended up happening is I would just end up starving my opponents out because there's, there's not that much money on the map. There, there really isn't. It's not like you get these massive armies. There's not supplies. So there's not like supply cap. Um, but it, it just, it gets to a point where you're, you're just waiting. The ore does respond, but it's at an incredibly slow rate. It, it is not at a realistic rate at all. So, um, it is it is really kind of poor in that regard. Um, the other thing, and, and I will say as well, when Robert and I played, um, Robert beat me three out of four times. I want to say, um, and, and this is not making any, any sort of sort of excuse or anything. I wasn't going to bring things, it up, but I did uh, demolish you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, and I don't mean this to like justify the loss, but some of the things that that I experienced when we played was like I would go for like a macro. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. But you're talking about red alert now. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of, this, I mean, it has the same issues, though, I feel like. Okay. But I was going to say, so, like, I guess that's true. That was Red Alert. So maybe, maybe I'll hold off on that. But in a lot of games that I played, I, I would try to do, like, a macro build, and I would just fall flat on my face. If somebody didn't kill me, like, sure, I'd have a lot of money. But having a lot of money in that game doesn't feel good. And macroing super hard doesn't feel good like it does in, in other uh, traditional RTSs. I know this is a very old game, so I'm, I'm not trying to say that they, they should have known right, this. Right, right. Um, but the worst part for me was the tech. I thought the tech was going to be an interesting part because oh, very I remember, limited. I remember getting like the GPS satellite and being able to see the map, which again doesn't matter because you can realistically see majority of the map as long as you um, scout early. And then the other one is the nukes, the A bombs. So the A bombs are really, really shitty. So they 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 require an obscene amount of power, which means you have to build a lot of power plants, which takes time and resources. Uh, they require a lot of time to build the building that generates the A-bombs. And then, excuse me, just to, just to build the building that builds the A-bombs. So then you get the nuclear silo and you're like, hell yeah, I got my nuclear silo. And then it's like five or six minutes before you can nuke every <laughs> time. And and the worst part is the nuke's not even that good. It, it, it doesn't just demolish a base. It kills infantry. It wounds tanks heavily. It damages buildings. But generally, if, if somebody has a, the ability to repair buildings... Or, or excuse me, the ability to repair their vehicles or to just repair their buildings, they can generally sustain you nuking them. And I was like, this is crazy. And and we're talking it's mostly against infantry that it's good for. If they have a shitload of infantry, it'll yeah. kill all of them. But that's but kind of we it. can talk about some other things that do good against that too. Because like it, it, it's probably twenty minutes into a game before you can actually effectively get a nuke off, and it's like okay, like whoopie fucking do. Like it, yeah. it's such a minimal impact for such a large investment. So that, that really bugged me. Um, and I want to say as well is, is, you know, going heavy imagery was cool, right? So you could have like a massive amount of, you could have a massive army of imagery and move out of the map. If, you're, if your opponent has a couple of light tanks, one of, the, one of the more interesting mechanics of this game is when you're microing, uh, specifically infantry, they can get run over by tanks and it one-shots them. It just squishes them, which yeah. sound effect is great, by the way. It is. Um, but it's, it's so obnoxious because if you get in a choke point and you have like a massive infantry army, one tank can kill 15, 20 infantry in a heartbeat. And yeah, I get it. There, there's definitely some, some quote unquote skill to it. But in a lot of cases, the AI is just so stupid 
when you tell your infantry to do things that the reaction that they have is, is kind of delayed. So you can tell your infantry like, oh shit, I see this coming, like it's, it's obvious. And you, you redirect your Marines or your, your uh, Grenadiers, your Rocketeers, it doesn't matter. They're too slow. They, they end up just getting run over anyway. <laughs> So, so that was really frustrating to me. And, you know, going heavy, going a lot of tanks is pretty damn good generally because what ends up happening is um, the, your opponent can go like Rocketeers. Rocketeers are very effective against tanks, right, because they, they do a lot of damage versus tanks, and they can destroy them in basically one swell of, um, of rockets. But the funny part is if you have enough tanks, they, they, they are wide enough um, in terms of, of just the overall thickness of your army to where you can ride in a line and just run everybody over. And no infantry can stop you because you can just run their entire forces over. And what ends up happening is, is when you when you have your little sim city in your base, the infantry gets stuck. They, they get stuck going in a very predictable pathway. So your tanks will just block the pathways and run them over. So at a certain point, <laughs> infantry feels kind of useless. Yeah. So it, it, I will say it, it was it was eye opening. It was a bit of realization, and it was really disappointing. I, I thought there was a, a different. I thought this was a different approach on an RTS. But what I realized is it's just a very vanilla, very basic um, RTS, which makes sense for the time um, in just the overall balancing and, and just kind of the overall gameplay. I will say, in under no no way would I ever watch a tournament for this. I, I think. And maybe I'll eat my words at some point, but it, it just doesn't seem like it's an interest. It would be an interesting thing to watch. The, the matches, I would say, would last no more than 15 minutes. And that might sound good to some people, but generally when I look at RTSs, I think of it as as a, a high-paced chess. So I think the games are going to last you know, 20, 30 minutes on, depending. So, um, yeah, with that being said, talk about the campaign. Campaign was, was uh, equally disappointing, probably even more disappointing. It's obnoxiously difficult. It is not Oh, it it's is not hard. A yeah, it's it's not a, it's not a fun kind of challenge, and I know I've said this before, and I, I know this is kind of a weird terminology, but there, there's a certain level of difficulty that I enjoy when it's when it's something where you have to think and get creative and do cool strats or type of things. What I don't like is when you have to bash your head against something until you find some sort of minor exploit or a way that the AI is just not thinking that you can just destroy them. And this is this is what the, this game feels like. The, the, you can lose a map, or a campaign map, after doing it for 15 minutes in a single moment. Because again, you can get run over, especially the maps where you don't have a base <clears throat> and you do have, you just have like a certain number of units. Yeah, the ones where you, I was, that's what, exactly what I was going to say, where you don't have a base and you just have like a little squad or something to get through the mission. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that, that was really frustrating. And, and I will say, even the ones where you do have a base, I found those almost equally frustrating because yeah. in a lot of cases, I would mine out my base uh, and I wouldn't be able to mine anything else because the map was too small. And my opponent, so so the way it works when you play on the harder difficulties, I, I assume, I haven't confirmed this section, I probably should, but it feels as if the, the uh, enemy's units are substantially stronger. They have more health, they do more damage, they have higher armor. And that's what I felt when I played the game. So when you're playing on a map where, let, let's say, you have an equal number of resources, guess what? If, if, you, if you lose an early fight, it's over. You, you're going to get out-resourced by your opponent. And generally, they have massive defenses. Tesla coils, pillboxes, a ton of turrets. Like they will have a crazy defense line and you will end up not being able to break it because you've utilized the majority of your resources clearing on the map. They seem now, there to, are... uh, sorry, uh, they seem to uh, like cheat on the, on the resources aspect. Oh, for sure. I don't think they're only getting what their harvesters are getting. 
Yeah, and I, I will say, you know, old school RTSs, everybody knows this. Generally, the AI was not, AI at the time was was nowhere near the capability of it was today. So what ended up happening is developers, in a lot of cases, would just give the AI additional starting resources. I think of Age of Empires. Age of Empires was a prime example where you're, you're, the yeah. AI started with uh, with additional. So yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a good point as well. So the campaign itself, it's it's not fun. It is not a fun kind of challenge. And I, I was like, oh, maybe I should turn on the difficulty and just kind of run through it. And it's not really, there's not really a creative element to it. There, there's not really a, a point where you get to and you're like, this is cool. Like, I, it, you know, like when you play like StarCraft, right? Or, or maybe even Age of Empires. I've never really played too much of the campaigns of Age of Empires, or at least not for a while. Your tech tree explodes as you progress through. It's kind of like an RPG, right? You get additional units and you can dive deeper to the tech tree. In this, it's like the first map, you start with no units, no base. I think the second map, you start with a base, which is barracks. And then as soon as you've played like the third or fourth level where you get the uh, War Factory, that's pretty much it. You, you really don't care about anything else because, again, the tech's kind of shit, and it really doesn't matter. So the levels take a lot of replaying in order to, to achieve victory, especially as you get further into it. So yeah, that, that's kind of Command and Conquer in a nutshell. I don't know if you, there's anything that I missed or anything you'd like to elaborate on, Robert. Did you mention how many times I beat you? Yeah, I said 3-1. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that that was... That's also a alert, too. Uh, <laughs> um, did you mention that I also am 1-0 one one against you in StarCraft Brood War? I think you've mentioned that more than more than once. Okay. Uh, uh, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, let me actually pull up my notes for Command and Conquer real quick, unless you want to add on something real fast. No, I was going to jump over to Red Alert. So, uh, okay. So, yeah, I played a good bit of, uh, you know, a fair bit of Command and Conquer. Have a, I played a little bit of Red Alert, but, uh, but outside of what I played, you know, against you on Red Alert. But uh, for the remake overall, I agree w- with pretty much most of what you said. I thought it was overall really well done. There are a few things. Um, the One weird thing, did you notice that the UI for where you have the picture on the side where it's like to, you click to build, you know, whatever you want to build, mm-hmm. you... you only can use the U, the new version of that. There, when you switch back and forth, you can't use the the original user interface. User interface for those things. How did you do it? It's always just the new version. Oh, oh so if you're I using old that. graphics, it still is using the new user interface for picking your uh, units. And I'll be honest, things. I use the new graphics for the most part, so I didn't even notice it. Oh, okay. I use mostly the old graphics. I thought the new graphics, I think they did do a really good job on them. However, for me, they kind of felt almost a little bit too clean. Interesting. Um, that might just be me, I, you know, kind of preferring the older look. So I'm, so I'm not sure. But uh, I, I did prefer the original graphics. But I thought I did think it looked really good both ways. Um, also, I had this weird... I don't know if it's an optimization issue or what, but whenever I would launch whenever i would start playing the campaign the first minute or two would be really choppy like the frame rate was really low no uh, i didn't experience that okay and and then after that it would like clear up and everything would be fine for a little bit and you know i don't have a shitty computer like it should, my computer should have been able to handle it perfectly fine but um it always really gave me bre- uh, not really terrible but pretty rough frame rate you know, sporadically for about the first minute or two. Um, but besides that, everything was cool. It's, uh, you can go back and watch when you've watched a, uh, like a cutscene, for instance, on the campaign. Oh, I forgot to talk about the cutscenes. The cutscenes are hilarious. The bad, you know, 
old FMV acting is is great. You can also go back and watch one thing they've included is you can watch like the green screen versions of of those. So that's kind of fun. Uh, as you said, the music they did a killer job with the, with the you know updating the music. Uh, Command and Conquer was the f- actually the Command and Conquer was the first real time strategy game that I ever played. I think um, it was mine too, actually. That's cool, and I really like the the kind of pseudo halfway futuristic feel of it. You know, it uses yeah. more, you know like tanks and infantry and stuff, but it's, but it's also got you know futuristic elements thrown in, like the Tiberium, um, the the harvesters that get those, and so a f- you know not a whole lot of other stuff, but a few other things. Um, but I do, I did remember it being kind of slow. And I remember even at the time, even, even this being my first RTS kind of feeling like, I wonder if they could have sped this up a little bit. And when I played Red Alert and they did kind of fix sort of the pacing of it, it really confirmed it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is kind of what they should have done here. It's a very slow paced game. A lot of it does have to do with the fact that you don't get to build a second harvester until really deep into a game. And then I just would, I know we've kind of talked about it enough, but I was going to point out that the that the tech tree is very, very shallow. Yeah. And uh, so it makes, you know, playing a skirmish almost kind of pointless. You really just kind of have to play for the campaign. Do a skirmish just to get a feel for it. But if you've done one skirmish, you've gotten all you're going to get out of the game, basically, skirmish-wise. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I've got to, to add on. To I, I did want to add as well is, uh, you know, typically in RTSs, you build a base, you expand at a certain point. Uh, the, the point at which you can expand, you need to build a power plant, a barracks, <laughs> another power plant, a war factory, a uh, repair depot, or I, forget, I think that's what's called, a repair depot, which is utilized to per- repair vehicles. And then you have to build the MCV out of your war factory, and it takes forever. And then you have to position the MCV, which also takes forever. So realistically, I think if you rush an expansion, you're looking at 10 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oh, and, 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 and one really weird thing that I didn't remember is in Command and Conquer, when you build your buildings, you have to place them immediately touching another building. It's it's you can there are certain buildings that can go a little bit of ways, but oh, yeah, really? it generally has to be within a very very close vicinity. Yeah. Okay, I didn't I didn't catch that. All the ones on the you know I tried to do some, and you know the barracks you have to put next to something, the the uh, um, power plant you have to put you know touching something. And so once I saw that, I didn't try it on anything else. But so okay, there are a few. Things. I, I could be wrong on that, but I think I think I was able to position things. And I forgot to mention as well. Um, after you expand, after you actually build the uh, the MCV, the only real point of expanding is to build a ore refinery closer to ore. And the amount of money and time you've invested into expanding, you might as well have just built another harvester and sent it across. Right. It yeah. Yeah. Efficient. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it, it was. It was a. Uh, it was fun, but it definitely was kind of eye-opening to be like, wow, this is... I expected more out of it. Like, I expected to get more fun. And that's not an insult to, to what they did. I think they did a great job with the product. The product was good quality. But I think it was just a realization of, holy shit, how far we've come yeah. in RTSs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Red Alert, uh, we kind of talked about. Red Alert is definitely better. Um, there, There's definitely a, a much better flow to the game. It's still very limited, and you still do mine-out maps very quickly, um, in my experience. 
So it still does have that issue. There's not really much of a macro style again, but the, instead of the, there's ore, but there's also gems, which gems give substantially more resources for mining, which gives you a little bit more of an edge. And there is a little bit more tech and availability to build some deeper um, technology and units that, that are kind of based on it. So it does get better. The campaign similarly uh, does have some, has similar issues. It's better again. Um, but I do feel like the the campaign has the same kind of issues I was talking about before in terms of just balancing and just the overall kind of challenge of it is just not, it's not my cup of tea. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's, I, think, I think Red Alert similarly is a great, it, what they did is a great, um, it's very, it, it is fun. And I definitely enjoyed the games you and I played against each other and against the AI as well. So I'll, I'll, if I were to play more, which I probably will, I'll probably play at least a little bit more. Um, I would definitely play some more Red Alert and probably no more. Command and Conquer. Yeah, I think I'm kind of done with Command and Conquer. I do want to play a little bit more Red Alert and maybe talk about that uh, at some point. But uh, yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. Command and Conquer, it was a good reminder of, yeah, this is kind of as limited as I sort of expected it to be, maybe even more so. Yeah, it, it definitely was more so for me. I, I just remember so much more and it just was like, well, was like <laughs> what? <laughs> Alright. Yeah. Um, you got anything else for this... Uh, for this time, besides besides the game of the quarter, negative. Okay, I've got uh, one other game to talk about. This one actually is pretty short. Super Earth Defense Force for Super Nintendo, and let me see when this came out. When did uh? Can you look up and see when Command and Conquer came out? By the way, I think it was ninety five. Okay. Super Earth Defense Force. You'd be looking that up. 95. 95. Okay, this one came out in uh, 91 for Super Nintendo. It's a side-scrolling shoot-em-up. And um, it's there's not a whole lot that's super noteworthy about it. Um, I did find it pretty fun, however. it's um, It's got what you need to make a side-scrolling shoot-em-up good, which is cool-looking enemies, cool-looking backgrounds... And controls that feel good. Um, and, you know, you expect any of these to be very difficult. This one uh, is pretty difficult. There's There are a lot of parts where it's not too bad, but then you get to the boss and, like, the boss is super hard, for instance. Which is, you know, again, how a lot of these go. Um, as far as, you know, the enemies and all that looking cool, they're nothing amazing. It's This isn't Thunder Force quality stuff, but it's, you know, it's on par, I'd say, with stuff like Super R-Type. And, and things like that. So, it's solid. Um, there are a bunch of different weapons you can choose from. So, every time you start off a level, you get eight weapons to choose from. Some of them are shit, as you can kind of imagine. It's like some of them are, oh, you can lob this grenade, but it's very difficult to use. In, in any game like this, you want a gun that shoots fast, basically. Um, so, I usually went with, there's like a homing weapon that I, that I pretty much always picked. You get power-ups as you as you play. One good thing about this one is that um, it's not one-hit kills like so many of these are. I think you get three chances. I think you get you can get three hit three times before you die. So that is nice to have a little bit of you know forgiveness as far as you don't have to just play through a level perfectly in order to get through it. Uh, one of the going back to the environments. One of the levels has a, it's really cool, you're in space, and there's this giant spaceship in the background 
and you just see more and you don't even it's so big that you don't even see all of it at once you're kind of flying you know you're fighting the bad guys in the background there's this giant spaceship and you're just kind of seeing more and more of it as you fly by and uh and there are lasers kind of shooting up at it presumably from some planet that's below it or something and then when you get to the end of the level whatever is shooting at the ship finally destroys it and you get to see it kind of start to explode and fall apart in space it's really pretty cool. Uh, another kind of cool little effect that they do sort of similar along similar lines is on the final boss. The uh, So, you know, it's a side-scrolling game. Well, on the final boss, as you're fighting him, the side-scrolling goes backwards. So it's like him chasing you and you backing away from him the whole time while you're shooting mm-hmm. at him. It's uh, So, it's you know, nothing major, but nice little touches here and there. Uh, bosses are, some of them are, Super hard. This is this is definitely one of those that I would not um, I would not have been able to beat if I didn't have save states. I was playing this on the Switch Super Nintendo Online thing, um, and the, particularly the last boss is crazy hard. He shoots out these these wep- these kind of bullet type things that home in on you. But before they get to you, then they explode into, like, a shotgun pattern. So, uh, it's very... You have to dodge them in a very specific way. Uh, you kind of have to lead them one way and anticipate where they're going to go, and then almost start moving away from them before he even shoots them. Although I did find that staying really close to the boss on the top and bottom of the screen helped to, uh... It kind of... The way he shoots them, it kind of gives you more room before they explode and come at you. So that helped a whole lot. Um, and I did eventually beat him, but like I said, I I don't think I ever would have done it if I didn't have save states. Especially considering, you know, the time it takes to get to the boss, running out of continues and having to start all over and all that. It, it would never have happened. So, that's kind of really it on Super Earth Defense Force. i hmm. not a crazy big shoot 'em up guy. There are a few that I really love. I would say, this kind of, you know... Maybe is one of the better ones, honestly, that I had. Even though I don't really have a whole lot specifically to say this is awesome, I feel like I had more fun with this than I usually do. Uh, so, so take that for for what it's worth, which is probably not a lot, but uh, but but really not a not a great game, but really not a bad game at all. I, I would play it again, and and I, I did have fun with it for the time that I spent with it. Cool. Okay, so we talked about Command and Conquer. We talked a little bit about Red Alert. Talked about Super Earth Defense Force. It's time for Beautiful Joe. So, Jay, this go is ahead. our game of the... Huh? Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, this is our game of the quarter. Uh, Beautiful Joe came out in 2003. It was on GameCube and PlayStation 2. I thought it was on Xbox also, but apparently not. Just GameCube and PS2. And uh, this was your pick for game of the quarter, so why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off? Actually, I was going to ask if, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off because my, my voice has actually get, got roasted from the <laughs> okay. rant for Command and Conquer. Okay. Well, the uh, so, be- so Beautiful Joe. Beautiful Joe is a side-scrolling action game. You are kind of a superhero type guy who's running around fighting bad guys. And the, and the, the premise of the game is that <laughs> this, the whole in- intro cutscene is like ridiculous but funny. You're watching a movie... With your girlfriend, you're at the movies watching a movie with your girlfriend, and it's a movie about this superhero named Cap. It's Captain Blue, isn't that right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, 
And uh, he's like, oh, I love Captain Blue. And then the monster in the movie reaches out of the screen and grabs your character, Joe, and uh, pulls him into the movie. And then you see Captain Blue shortly after, and he's like, oh, you got to take over and be a hero. And I don't even remember if he explains why. But so you're running along. So... As I said, it's a side-scrolling action game. It's you're you're just running around punching and kicking bad guys, and uh, really one of the, really kind of the the, the main the, the big thing about this game when it came out is the graphics. It uses a really cool cell shaded uh, art style that looks really comic booky, and so still uh, looks good today. Yeah, it still looks very good. The art style is fantastic. It's colorful. It's everything's drawn really well, and it looks it looks it just looks really neat. And so you're running along fighting bad guys, and generally the way it works is they'll run up to you, and as you're attacking them, when right before they do attack it, it an attack, it'll show you an exclamation mark, and it'll either be kind of high or kind of low, and depending on where it is, you want to duck or jump over their attack. So it basically tells you, hey, this guy's about to attack you low, you better jump, or this guy's about to attack you high, you better duck. And that's kind of all there is to the basic fighting elements. And so as you as you play a little bit more, you do unlock various abilities. Uh, so some of them are unlocked just by playing, and then there are other things that you unlock by based on kind of the points that you get during a playthrough. Every so often, you can spend those on on power ups and various uh, abilities and things. But the two main ones that you get, or at least I only got two, so as far as I got. Um, that you unlock just from playing, no matter what, are ones that speed or that slow down everything around you, or that speed you up super fast. And so you have this meter. If you hold L, I believe it is, then that's the slow down everything else button, and your meter drains as long as you're holding it. If you hold R, the meter drains also, and that just makes you go super fast. And you can use these uh, in a couple different ways. Uh, one is to just, you know, in, in the ways that you would expect to be able to punch somebody or kick them, you know, basically attack them a whole lot faster or slow things down so you can dodge stuff better. But they also use them uh, in, in puzzle ways on some levels as well. So there's this one level where they, they kind of, they, it doesn't really make sense in the way that they work, but, but that's just how the puzzles are. So there's this one where there's this giant stream of water or so i think it's oh yeah like sewage, maybe. yeah like spraying out of the ground and there's this little hovering platform with this with a propeller under it kind of floating around and what you do is you jump on that and you hit the speed up button which even though it's supposed to this is what i mean about it not really usually making perfect sense even though it's supposed to speed up just you it actually speeds up this thing too when you use it here and it speeds up the propeller so it raises you a lot higher because the propeller is going faster, and then you can jump over the big geyser that's coming. Is up that there. where you stopped? No, I got you. You, you I, get your third power right after that. You know what? That actually is where I stopped. It was the boss that's right after that that I that I just stopped fighting. I just blue. Stopped it was your third blue fight. No, it was. Oh, it was okay. No, yeah. because because. Okay, right after that, there's the guy, the cowboy guy with the guns, and you have to fight him twice. Yeah. 
And yep. then you fight Blue right after the Captain Blue again right after no, that. No, Bl- Blue Blue's before that. Oh, he's before that. Okay, in that case, yeah. I did beat him, and it was the cowboy guy that you fight twice that I kind of stopped playing on, which was super weird. It's like, so he, not only have you fought this cowboy guy before, but you fight him again at this point, and then you beat him once, and it's just like, oh, you got to beat a second one of him. Like, oh, okay, I don't. That's kind of weird, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and the third power-up you get by, from that blue fight is, like, you, you press the up C button, and you power up. You, like, become more swole, or you flex or something. <laughs> and then it opens up some, some different types of abilities. Uh, the first one is if you jump, you create, like, this this um, purple energy arrow with your body, and it does damage in that direction. If you're in the air and you do it, you can do, like, a downward power uh, hit that is basically the same concept, but obviously coming down instead of going up. Um, so there's a couple different mechanics you can do with that ability. I didn't get, to, I didn't experiment too much with that. I only did it. I only used it primarily for the puzzles that required it. I did get really annoyed with those cowboys as well. Um, what I ended up doing is just let them shoot me, and then you slow down time and kick your bullets back at them. That's that's the most efficient way. I can oh, I don't know. You could okay. That's what, I always did the slow down thing um, because so the cow so the, uh, usually. It gives you a good indication of where of when you need to use the slowdown thing. It, it'll often do something that's colored pink. Like when he spins his guns around, they have yeah. they kind of turn pink, and that means oh, you probably should think about slow you know, slowing down time right now. And I did that to, so when you do that against him, he shoots these bullets at you, and you can see the bullets moving at you really slow, and so you can dodge them you know fairly easily. Um, I didn't realize that you could kick him back. Yeah, and, and I will say, uh, to your point with the puzzle, there were a couple puzzles that were really, like, not, they, they weren't bad, they were just kind of stupid. Like, there was the one where there's a there's a, a pipe, and it's it's uh, dripping <laughs> water on a platform, and you need to push the platform down in order to progress, and what you have to do is, I think it's, I think this part, you either speed up or slow down time, either way, it doesn't fucking make sense. The water droplet right. grows and grows and grows, <laughs> and then gets so big that it hits the platform and weighs it down. So, with that being said, I, I want to say I'm not trying to criticize this game because I, I think the purpose, I think the reason that this game does that is to purposely be ridiculous. I think part of the the um, the design of this game is to be ridiculous. The dialogue is is really corny. It's funny. It's all over the place. The humor is there. The one liners are there. It's very you know it's it's just it's ridiculous in the simplest. So I think that's probably why some of the puzzles were that way. And the fighting, the fighting is fun. It does get repetitive. And some of the combos you can do are cool. And it's, it's pretty interactive. It, it definitely controls pretty well too. I mean, the, the inputs are pretty active. And to your point, some of the inputs you have to do or, or some of the reactions you have to do uh, actually, actually function pretty well. I was pretty impressed with that. The boss fights were, I would say once I figured them out, they're really easy. I killed the bot, the bat boss in two cycles after I figured out the the way to do it. Oh yeah, um, the bat boss. Yeah, he he wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, and like the first time I did it, I like broke him apart and then killed his little bats and then broke him apart. And the next time, I just like stunned him once, sped up myself, and sprinted at him and knocked him down to like twenty percent health. I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's the way to do it. Um, but yeah, so so the, the game itself it, it is fun and it is it is a pretty enjoyable experience overall. I don't really have too many complaints from the gameplay, except for some of the puzzles are really kind of convoluted, and you really have to just kind of sit there and mash things until you figure it out. Yeah. And generally, it reminds me of almost like uh, I'm trying to think what was what's similar, but but it reminds me I'm trying to think what game it is. But essentially, there there are times where you're like I don't know what to do. What's the most recent ability that I got? It's probably that. And in most cases. <laughs> yep. 
it's it's pretty damn true. It's uh, true, to say yeah. the least. Definitely. Uh, music's good. It, it's not crazy obnoxious. It's definitely there. It's notable. It's definitely worth it. Sound effects are great. The one-liners are great. And you do get ratings throughout the levels that you play through. It kind of gives you a rating based on your performance, your speed, and a few other metrics that, that determine your ultimate uh, gain of resources. And the resources are used to buy power-ups. So um, I finished the third level. I stopped. I think there's seven levels in total that I read. Uh, the third level really irritated me. There was a couple puzzles towards the end. I was just getting kind of heated with. So I ended up just stopping at that point. Um, trying to think what else. Is there anything else that I want to talk about with it? I think you did a pretty good job of covering the actual gameplay. I um, feel like this is a good game, definitely, but it's just not for me. I don't. I didn't really have a lot of fun with it. I I get kind of bored with just straight action games, and, and you know, it's weird because some I do really enjoy, and it's usually ones that I enjoy because they look really good, which this game does. But for some reason, even that didn't really draw me in on this one um i just felt like the the com you know outside of the bosses the combat was very kind of bland for me um i don't know why i didn't you know why the art style didn't have more sway on me when other games with similar kind of mechanics do but i don't know for whatever reason it just didn't i i see that this is a really cool game i can understand why people like it but i i just didn't really have much fun with it I, I will say one thing that I predicted when I saw the shop, I was like, I guarantee you the downward slide ability is going to be insanely broken. Yep, you can basically downward slide your way through majority of the levels and ignore most of the bad guys, which was kind of disappointing. Uh, you could I... run and jump over all the bad guys and get through a level that way. Oh, I, I didn't do that too much until I got the downward slide. Once I got the downward slide, I'm like, holy shit, this is cake. <laughs> um, I will say I think this game would be very fun to see. I, I think this it is one be of those games to do, would be very broke, fun. You broke off. It would be fun to do oh, what? to speedrun. Oh, okay, okay. I think it would be a very fun game to find, you know, the, all the efficiencies. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised else? we don't have more to say. I, I'm actually really surprised. What, one, other, one, else, one other thing that kind of, like, maybe kind of be just saying, like, what? Was um, where there's there are, like four different kinds of points you can get in the level and half oh, of them are yeah. just V's. So there's V points with a, with a giant V and then there's other V points that just seem to have a little bit smaller V. And I don't know what the, what the purpose or difference between, I mean, some of them you use to one version of those you use to buy stuff with. I don't know what the other version is used for, but also every once in a while, while I was playing some girl's voice would come on and say, just go for it. Yeah. And I was it, like, it's okay, the start of an event. Go for what? What am I? <laughs> okay. But, nothing, yeah, but I, I, nothing special was ever happening when she said that. I think it was the trigger to, to an event starting. Like when the barrels would chase you, when you'd get an encounter with a tougher medium boss or real boss. I, I think that was the cue to let you know that you were kind of going into a It's kind of getting you to go into what? A scene. Like oh, a okay. scene. Okay. I, I always was like, okay, what's going to happen? What's happening? And I never noticed anything special happening when she said that. Yeah, it, it, I will say it's pretty action. It's pretty action packed. It's very fast paced, which was it was pretty enjoyable from that regard. I will say. So how how had you you had played this before, right? Yeah, it, I didn't remember. I I, I I was a it was an interesting learning curve again. It had been a while since I remembered a lot of components of it. Do you feel like it held up to what you remembered? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Okay. Awesome. Okay, well, I I don't really have much much else um, to say about it, I don't think. How about you? Anything else? No, I'm surprised what I'm going to say. I think that's everything. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk real quick about our next game of the quarter. So we're doing a slightly different... Well, I say not, not so much different. A little bit of a special game of the quarter this time. Um, I've been playing Civ Six a lot, as I've mentioned on the podcast a couple times. And I'm still playing the damn game, by the way. I'm, It's becoming unhealthy. Uh, so I thought, why don't we play Civ Four? Because that's the most recent one that came out. And also, you know, we could do multiplayer on that one. And then, what we, what Jay and I have also decided is to have a very long time listener of the podcast. And I believe our first emailer? I'm pretty sure that's true. Do you, do you, no, if that's true. I think so. Yeah, I was actually wondering about that. I think he's the first person to ever send in an email. That is Jeffrey. Our friend Jeffrey, who's been writing in forever. If not our first email, one of our first, and our I'd say our longest current listener uh, out of people who have written in. He's going to do it with us. So Jay and Jeff and I are going to do a multiplayer game of Civ 4, you know, with, with with AI players, of course. We're going to kind of play it off and on, right? Between now and uh, whenever we, or, you know, whenever we start between then and whenever the game of the quarter is. And, uh, and then we will, and then on that episode, Jeff is going to come on and join us as our guest. And, uh, and we'll talk about uh, Civ 4. Yeah, and, and I want to add to it as well. Uh, under no, we're under no duress. He didn't threaten us. There's no money involved. I promise you, wink, wink, I definitely don't need help, wink. <laughs> okay. Thanks for getting that out there. Of course. How do you tap more? How do you tap SOS and Morse code? Right. Just click it with your mouse. Um, yeah, right. So, anyway, so that's what we're we'll be doing. Me, Jay, and Jeff, Civ 4. Everybody else, as always, is is invited to uh, play the game. You know, not not on our multiplayer game, but play it, and then write in your thoughts as well. And then uh, Jeff is going to join us for that episode to uh, to discuss it also. So, Civ Four is our game of the quarter. Let's see when's that going to be. A tentative date. So let's see. Wow, gonna, you, you, we're going to be talking about August. I think. Holy shit! It's going to be September. Oh my gosh, that's even crazier. So sometime, so sometime towards the middle or end of September. Golly, that seems so fucking far away, doesn't it? Uh, but you know what's funny is next week we're gonna be like, "Holy shit, it's July!" <laughs> next week it's gonna be, "Holy shit, it's August." Um, sometime middle towards towards middle to end of September is when that episode is gonna be. Civ four. All right, time for top fives, Jay. Woo-woo. Top five. What's our top? Uh, top five most inconsistent franchises. You and I were talking about this briefly, and uh, this is this actually turned out to be quite a bit harder than I expected it to be. My number one yeah. was I almost feel like a shoe in. I knew instantly from the bat what my number one was. Then the rest of them, I was like, "Well, Mario. I mean, yeah, there are some bad ones, but it's overall." It's not super inconsistent. I wouldn't have had it on my other list, but it's not crazy inconsistent. And then I was like, Zelda, you know, 
Maybe, but that's still mostly good. With just perhaps you know, with besides just a few of them, maybe. And like, what else? I I don't you know the you know the other ones that came to mind. Those are all on my very consistent franchises list. And I was just kind of like, what's left? I don't know. Out of the ones that I've played, I couldn't really think of any that were particularly inconsistent. I came up with a list that I think I'm happy with, but it's I don't I, I think it. It wasn't as easy as I thought. Yeah, I want a little more context as well. Uh, I went through a very similar process to what you're talking about. Um, two two things with it. First off, what I did is is I took the approach of not uh, of not necessarily think of inconsistency as good or bad, but inconsistency of the format or game style. So maybe they went from one game style to a different game style over the course of uh, of their their gaming franchise. Uh, the second thing I did is I literally went through every single gaming franchise and registered my brain whether or not I agreed with it being inconsistent. <laughs> That's the approach I went through, and holy shit, it took time. But I- I'm not—I'll well, be honest—I'm not really happy with my list. I- I'm like okay with it, but I'm not excited. You know what I mean? I did actually resort to the uh, different style inconsistency okay. thing um, on a, in, a, in a few spots because, like, on just one or two of mine, because I just. If I didn't, I wouldn't have been able to come up with anything. So, um, yep. okay, let's let's get on with it then. Um, Jay, uh, well, I'll go first. I think normally you go first on these. I'll let you go last this time. My number five, and I've only played a couple games, I think three games in this series. My number five is Hitman. The first, oh, okay. the first one is what you expect out of a Hitman game. Um, it's you in situations where you have to set up, you know, a hit on somebody and you have to assassinate somebody in some creative way for the most part. There are some levels, I believe, that do get a little bit more straight up action, but it's generally what you think of when you think of the Hitman series. And then if I, if I remember correctly, Hitman 2 was basically just an action game where you're shooting and killing people. I could You, you can. You can do either approach. You can basically just walk through and kill everybody. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then, and I know some of the most recent. I, I played not the not the most recent Hitman, but like the first of the newer Hitmans. Uh, I think two entries ago, and it was good. It was I, I guess it was more kind of like the first one, so maybe not super inconsistent, but it was more kind of like the first one, and, and and a lot more interesting though. So. I don't know, it just seemed to kind of waver, like it's going this way, then it's going that way, then it's going back the other way. I, you know, maybe not the best entry for this list, that's that's why I've got it down at number five. But but that's what okay. I've got to start off my list. Uh, my number five, and realistically, I don't really want to say these in any particular order, except for maybe my number one. The rest of them, I'm kind of like, whatever, like I'm not, I'm not married to the idea of, cer- of certain ones being in certain orders, so I feel like we are just downplaying this list so hard, and I, I'm so sorry to enjoy this list, but... <laughs> It's it's by no intention. It just it, this list was surprisingly difficult. So uh, bear with us. So number five for me is Star Wars. Uh, there have been a crazy number of Star Wars games. We've had an interesting variety of, of different different uh, play styles throughout the the I'll call it the career lifetime uh, the franchise that, that is Star Wars. And there really has been some inconsistency in quality and just overall reception. So I thought I thought for sure this is something I wanted to wanted to put on my list. What, which ones would you say dipped in quality? Because I actually considered Star Wars a little bit too, and I was like, you know, I could think of a few that aren't good, but really overall, I was like kind of surprised by how much I 
like them more than I kind of remember. I was like trying to struggle to think of many that I didn't really like. I will say the the two games that stuck out to me, and, and I don't necessarily think they're bad games, but they're obnoxiously frustrating. Rogue Squadron uh, was number oh, one. Yeah, that okay. was one of the most frustrating games ever made. Um, and the the Star Wars game for Super Nintendo, the name of it is is oh, uh, Super my mind. Star Wars. Oh, is that what it's called? That yeah. game was obnoxiously frustrating for me as well. So. You're, you're talking about they had like each, each one of the movies, and it's just this side-scrolling, basic kind of action yeah, game. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those were. I thought about those. Those I would consider pretty good, but they were like way too hard, as you said. Yeah. And then yes, uh, Rogue Squadron is a good point. Also, another one that I just thought of as you were saying that is Rebel Assault, which is oh yeah, ridiculous. Um, oh yeah, and then there's the the, the freaking one that I played. Was that Rebel Assault? The one that I played for N six? No, that was Shadows of the Empire. Shadows, yeah, yeah. I talked about that for the podcast. That yeah. game was yeah. really rough. Another good. Yeah. Okay. Actually, you know that's a, that's a good one then. Yeah. Okay, I told you my, I'm happy with my list. <laughs> my number four is, I would say Star Wars now, you convinced me, but what I had on my list is Space Quest. Okay. Really, really none of the Space Quest, Space Quest, Space Quest games are that good. Um, but there are some that have really good things about them, particularly Space Quest... Fuck, I get him confused. I think Space Quest 4 is kind of the first good one. And then before that, 1 through 3 all used uh, text parsers, and they were basically impossible to play. Uh, 4 came along, had a lot of good things. You know, they all have good humor. 4 had good graphics, really, you know, some cool environments, some neat little cutscenes and stuff, some cool enemies and characters and bad guys and all that. Space Quest Five was, you know, kind of more or less like Space Quest Four, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, but but not, but kind of just worse. Then Space Quest Six t- took on a much more cartoony look, and and which is fine. Uh, Monkey Island did the same thing, but it kind of got went down in quality even more. I feel like so. I don't know. Maybe not crazy inconsistent because none of them were that good, but it's like the first three were terrible. Four was was not well, you know. Four was okay, you know, pretty good for the time. Then five and six were kind of bad again. So yeah, that's 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 what I'm going with for for number four. Cool. I feel like we're gonna have a lot of the, that that conversation with you just had with yourself in regards to. This <laughs> I think so too. Uh, my number four is Assassin's Creed. Uh, not not a series I've played a lot of, but I watched Lisa play a lot of the first and I believe the second one. I want to say. Okay. Um, but the the later installments of this game are his are are known in a hilarity in the hilarity that is the quality of these games. Really. Um, they're the games were released without even a a, a it, what seemed like an alpha. People falling through through um, the the scenes. People getting stuck. Characters losing dialogue, oh, right. <laughs> stories freezing, quests not working, and it's like this is I, I would assume a fifty or sixty dollar game when they came out uh, that just did not did not deserve fifty or sixty dollars. So for me, from the quality perspective, I think this is a very inconsistent is inconsistent uh, franchise. I haven't played any of those games, but I but, uh, but from what I've heard, I think yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Okay, my number three is Need for Speed. And again, I haven't, oh, okay. I haven't played a bunch of these, but I remember, so the first Need for Speed I played, 
I believe was was the first Need for Speed game, just called Need for Speed. Yeah. And I had it on 3DO. And I really liked it. It was really cool. It was not a sim, you know, not a racing sim. It wasn't anything like the Gran Turismo games, but it was a lot closer to that than probably any other racing game I had ever played. And so I was like, you know, this is really kind of fun and interesting. Everything is a little bit more realistic than what I'm used to. I get to drive, you know, fucking Lamborghinis and stuff. And, uh, you know, again, it's just kind of more realistic. And uh, I really like that about it. And then there were kind of some just mediocre ones in between. And then there was another really good one that me and my friends used to play, which was Need for Speed High Stakes. And the really cool thing about this game was you could gamble your cars against against each other. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, so you have your own memory card and it had your profile with all your cars and stuff on it. And uh, you could race and say, and in the game, this is why it's called high stakes, you'd say, okay, I'm betting my car against his car, and whoever, won's, whoever won the race, they get the other person's car. And it deletes it from their account, from their profile, and puts it on the other Damn. person's card. So it was really cool. I mean, that's that's one of the coolest... Things and Need for Speed games probably ever done, and then it's like more just kind of mediocre stuff. I'm sure there were other good ones in between because again, I didn't play. I haven't played. There are many of them. Most of them I haven't played. Almost all of them, but there were these two awesome ones, and then I know there were some mediocre ones. I think some of the more recent ones have been a little bit bad, maybe. Um, and then there are you know a few really stand out, really good ones as well. So I feel like their quality is a little bit all over the place. Cool. All right, your number three. Uh, it's a bit of a reach on a franchise, but uh, my number three is is the Chrono franchise. Yeah, Chrono, okay. Chrono, oh, Chrono good Trigger, one. Arguably best, one of the best games ever made. Into Chrono Cross, arguably one of the most uh, disappointing sequels of all time. Yep. Uh, Chrono Trigger, obviously, we've talked about a million times. Fantastic game. Chrono Cross is not the worst game ever made, but when you compare it to its predecessor, it's it's uh, a little rough. Okay. Number my number two is Police Quest, uh, specifically the Police Quest SWAT series. Um, and this one is is kind of I was going a little bit more on, well, really both quality I think and style. It's kind of bizarre. So the first Police Quest game was, or sorry, the first Police Quest SWAT game was an FMV game. And it was about as good as any of those 90s FMV games are, which is not very. And then the second Police Quest SWAT game was a real-time strategy game. (laughs) And then the third one was a first-person, like, kind of, not really a shooter, but basically a first-person shooter. So they went from FMV to RTS to FPS... And then the fourth one, I think, was also a first-person shooter. I played the third one a lot. I played the first one a a little bit, because it was bad, so I didn't play it much. I never ended up playing the second one, which is an RTS. I I think I might have it on GOG, actually. I should probably check it out at some point. Um, And uh, so, yeah, it's like they couldn't decide what they wanted to make. So they just kept making entirely different games. And... The first one was bad. The second one, I'm not sure. The third one was actually kind of okay, and I never played the fourth one. So, in both style and quality, they're uh, they were they were really everywhere. 
Cool. I dig it. That's, that's a good one. All right. What do you have, number two? Uh, number two for me is going to be Populous. Populous had hmm. three installments that I know of, uh, one, two, and the beginning. The beginning is the one that I really liked. Um, the first two were, oh, really, really rough games. I've tried to play both the first and second one to, to give them a shot a few times. Very, very tough game. Oh, I Populous thought you, like, I thought you the liked best. the first one, no? No. Okay. No, okay. no, no. Not, not unless I'm having a seat or a stroke again. Okay. Um, no, the first two are, are really rough, and they're not really. They, they, it feels like there's a substantial time lapse between the second and the beginning, which is kind of funny that they did in that order. But um, yeah, the, the the overall inconsistency is. I mean, you have two really rough titles into what I consider to be a, a pretty well-rounded RTS. I, I would say that Populous, I feel like, is a better um, RTS than than I would say uh, Command and Conquer is. It okay. doesn't really have any resource gathering, really. It's kind of simple in that regard, but there's some other stuff that's, that makes it kind of interesting and unique. Okay, cool. That's a good one. Um, my number one... Um, you Okay, so it's Final Fantasy. Oh, Jesus. So is mine. God, is it, it. So, okay, on the last episode, you said that that was one of... that you were... that you left that out of your most consistent because you thought it was too obvious or you said something along those lines yeah yeah i was kind of going back and forth with it but it the the different the the, the reason i have it on here is is not necessarily for the quality i mean yeah there's some diff, def, definite issues with the final fantasy series in terms of quality but it's it's the different approaches that they took with with final fantasy throughout its existence i mean i, I think of tactics versus the standard rpgs versus they even did i guess it wasn't necessarily a final fantasy but they had the final fantasy fighting game uh, what was it called? Dissidia? I think is what it was uh, called, which yeah, was based purely on right, Final yeah. Fantasy characters, which is kind of a reach, but I was just trying to think of it, think of it from that perspective and not necessarily just the overall quality perspective. I feel like in quality, it's all over the place. That too, but I, I was trying to stay away from that because we, we kind of touched on it last time, and I feel like it's an obvious one. It's like it's kind of we talked about like Zelda and Mario. Yeah, Zelda and Mario. I, I think Zelda and Mario are more probably more consistent across the board than the Final Fantasy franchise. Uh, I think that's kind of, you think that accurate. Zelda and Mario are more consistent or more inconsistent? Yeah, more consistent. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Final Fantasy is everywhere. The first one, you know, it's kind of really depends on person to person, but we'll say it's, you know, okay. The it's second good. one yeah. is bad. Third one yeah. is bad. Fourth one is supposedly amazing. Fifth one, I don't know. Sixth one is amazing. Seventh is amazing. Fifth and sixth, yeah. Eighth yeah. really just depends. Ninth and ten are supposed to be really good. Uh, I guess eleven's good. Eleven also. was an extremely popular MMO. Remember they had an MMO too. Talk about diversity. Yeah, t- uh, twelve is good or bad depending on which version one. you play. Ten, yep. two is supposed to be bad. Thirteen is bad. Fourteen's uh, good. Fifteen's supposed to be kind of in between. Then there's Final Fantasy Tactics is good. Tactics Advance is bad. Good, good. <laughs> you watch your fucking mouth. But, like, this was what came to mind to me instantly when I thought of inconsistent franchises. Um, I mean, I guess there are more good than bad, but it still seems to be just everyone, you know, it's it's got plenty of, of bad ones. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I was just trying to stay away from it from a quality perspective because I thought it was kind of, like, low hanging fruit. That was kind of my thought. Okay. It is the first one that came to my mind as well, which is kind of, I, I think we're both in the same Okay, what's your number one then? It's Final Fantasy. Oh, oh, that's right. You just, <laughs> you <Yeah>. just said it. <laughs> I was like, wait, is he? 
Is he stroking out here? What do you? I would like to know which one you hate worse, uh, eight or tactics? Tactics advance. Probably eight. Um, I think tactics advance at least try to do something new. I, I mean, not to say that eight didn't. Eight had some interesting things because it was the first one with the card game, I believe, which was pretty cool. And then the actual, I think it was called Gambits, was the system that they used. Was it Gambits? I can't remember what it's called. The system was pretty cool. Tactics Advance uh, had no story. I mean, it was a childish story. You get sucked into a book, if I remember correctly. Um, it, it, I would say I think 8 is one I would least likely to play again. Okay. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm still going through the Final Fantasy games, by the way. I'm, I'm playing 3 right now. And uh, I think I'm about 25 hours in. So I will discuss that one eventually and continue cool. moving on through the series. But... Uh, just to let our listeners know. I know everybody's on the edge of their seat for my take on Final Fantasy 3. Just wanted to uh, get that out there. Oh yeah. Okay, Jay, next top five. I'm wondering, should we do you, do we still want to go with what we talked about earlier? I'm wondering I if mean, we, you sound like you're hesitating. I'm <laughs> on board, but if you're against it. I'm wondering if we should do that or the or the titles one that we discussed. I'm fine either way. I I, I will give you I'll, I, I feel like I gave a lot when we talked previously, so I'll, I'll let you kind of make the, the shot. If you don't mind, I think I'm going to put this one. I'm going to I'm going to hang on to this one and just do the other one this time. Okay. Um. So on our next episode, we got a surprise for everybody. Uh, next episode, we are going to have Alex, aka Sness Drunk. As well as Ness' friend, whose name is Travis. Um, they are... So, as everybody knows Ness Drunk, if you're a listener to this podcast. Uh, Travis, Ness' friend, is uh, Ness Drunk's co-host on the, on his new podcast, Drunk Friend. Or I say I should say, I say his new. It's their new podcast, Drunk Friend, that they started up just a couple months ago. And uh, that was the podcast that I was on recently. So you should go check it out. I think I was episode eight, but you should listen to all their episodes because they're all really good. Basically, they have people on and they uh, from, from other YouTube channels and podcasts and stuff, and they interview them. And so we're going to have them on on our next episode. Hell yeah. Um, we had originally, Jay and I, talked about doing kind of a Nintendo-related thing because Travis's YouTube channel, Nest Friend, covers NES games, and of course Alex's covers... Super Nintendo games. But, so, I don't know. I'm, I'm just feeling like this one might be a little bit more fun if we do the one about titles. Is, so, is, if that's okay with you, Jay. Totally. Okay, then then let's do that. Uh, and, I, and as I said, I am going to hang on to this other idea you had. But let's do um, games with the least fitting titles. So, in other words, games with titles that... Uh, really have nothing to do with the game or maybe they're misleading or just totally off the wall at random. Uh, but, but mostly I'm thinking like they just, the title of the game doesn't have anything to do with what the game is. Is that cool with you? Yep. All right. Ahead. All right. So that's what we're going to do. Let me write that down in my uh, notes. And, uh, and that's what we will be covering next time. So, send in your top five games with the least fitting titles. 
to mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. We're about to jump into emails. Also, if you have any uh, questions or comments for Alex or Travis, then uh, feel free to include those as well because they will be here with us on the next episode. I don't normally we don't normally announce our uh, our guests. I like to surprise people, but I also wonder if it might be better practice to yeah, announce. Yeah, I them think before. it's probably better to announce ahead of time. Give people so. the ability to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Okay. Well, uh, there it is. So yeah. If you have any comments or questions for them, feel free to email in with those as well. And with that said, let's let's jump into our emails. Okay, um, Jay, oh, here, I'll take the first one, and then I'll copy you, I'll copy the next one for you. Okay. Uh, I just lost everything. Oh, here we go. We have quite a few this time, so thank you, uh, as always, to everybody who wrote in. The first one, oh, in fact, we have three here from, who's it from? N8 is what he's going by. Oh, okay. I think that's Nate. I think that's supposed to be read as Nate. Um, He says, think I forgot. Wait, hold on. I think I'm reading these in backwards order. Okay, here we go. He says, damn, this may be a gaming crossroads for me. Uh, I've always meant to. Okay, so the subject is beautiful, Joe. Maybe a gaming crossroads for me. I've always meant to play this game, but never got around to it. Being Game of the Quarter gave me the incentive I needed. I was pretty sure I had picked up a copy for GameCube back in the day, so I dug through the retro game bin in the basement and located it unopened. I took off the shrink wrap and rustled up a GameCube controller and memory card. See pics. He included pictures of his uh, oh, of the game, of his uh, of the Wii that he's uh, playing it on. Apparently it's one of the GameCube compatible Wiis. He's even got his memory card in there. And he even sent me a screenshot of him playing the game. Um, plug into the dusty top of my Wii. While I love the art style, the quirky nature, feel, and pace, I am ashamed to say I can't even beat the first helicopter boss despite multiple tries over two sittings. Sometimes my kids cheer me on playing games. On this one, they just walked away <laughs> after after my multiple sad attempts. I had a few more goes alone before shutting it down. Just went back at it by myself here a couple days later for another good hour. While I've mastered the rest of the level, I can't beat the damn helicopter just by getting very close a a bunch of times. And after your three lives are gone, you gotta go all the way back. Jay, um, when I fought the helicopter, I feel like I got him, I feel like I got the helicopter caught in a loop where basically I would do, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines of I would jump up in the air and then do a bunch of, and like do a couple in the air punches and kicks. And I don't know if it was that or if it was where I was standing in the screen, but I sort of got it stuck in a loop where it would fly away and then shoot something at me. I think that I could easily dodge and then just immediately go right back at me. And I would yeah. jump up. Did you have the same experience? Really? Yeah. I walked in with like one or two health. So I died. But the second time I went in, I just destroyed it with a very similar strat to it. Yeah, it just kept doing the same thing, and I just kept repeating the same thing over it and killed it that way. So, uh, maybe I just got lucky. But anyway, 
Uh, I won't say I didn't have any fun, and grabbing the, con- the GameCube controller for the first time in a long time brought back some great feels, but either new games have softened me or my aging slash limited gaming as a 39-year-old dad have weakened my skills, and I'm just bad at video games now. It's hard for me to say anything bad about this game, and I might have one more go at it, but I can't sit here and play the same level over and over when there are so many other games to play and things to do. Uh, Nate, I feel the exact same way very often when, when I get in situations like that. I'm like, oh, there's so many other games I could just be playing right now. I don't feel like powering through this particular one. Uh, he says, if I have something less embarrassing to add later, I'll follow up. Either way, thanks for the podcast. Really enjoy hearing you guys chat about old favorites, and I have discovered a few hidden gems I missed. Take care of yourselves during this crazy time, and maybe pick an easier game for a future quarter. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if Civ Eight, Civ, Civ Eight, Civ Four would be considered uh, easier. It probably would be, but um, yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Uh, then he sent another email. <laughs> I finally beat the fucking helicopter. <laughs> I don't care if I get any farther in this game. I had to do that for my own self-respect as a gamer. I believe it was my thirty-second try. Holy shit! Whoa. About my sixth or seventh sitting. Maddening but yet somehow not annoying enough to give up now to see what comes next. And then he sent me the pictures of his uh, of the game. Oh, oh, he's, he's, there's got another message on this last one. He says, um, it's a weird hard, like, oh, we're talking about how hard it was to beat the helicopter. I kept feeling like I almost was going to beat him, but just couldn't figure it out. Ended up mostly dodging bullets on the chandeliers, then slow mowing him down to earth for some hits and kicking rockets back at him. Finally clicked. Then immediately got my ass kicked on the next level, off to bed with a mild sense of accomplishment. All right. All right, Jay, here's uh, Jonathan's email. Let me pull up our thing. Cool. I already have it open, so. Okay. There you go. This is from Jonathan. there? Ah, no, is it? Uh, I just want to make sure. Okay. Uh, Jonathan says, sorry, I'm using push to talk. Uh, he says, Hey guys, love the show. Keep up the great work. Okay. I gotta be honest. I don't know if you had some prerequisites you had agreed to, uh, on before your last top five, but I was blown away by the list. Oh, wow. I'm starting to feel immature as I type this. Oh, well, that's why we're here. That's right. I'm complaining today. I had to re-listen to your lists as soon as you each got to your top ones because I didn't think I had heard anything that would be in my list. I mean, come on. No mention of Metroid, Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, or Smash. And that's just to name a few. Then, as I progressed, at least Jay had Zelda as an honorable mention. But where is the Nintendo love? Uh, Robert and I kind of talked about this a little bit as well. Is Some of the stuff that was like obvious kind of... I, I hate to use this term again, but low-hanging fruit. We try to stay away from, from the obvious stuff as often as we can because in a lot of cases, if we do our top fives, they're going to include the same 25 titles and the same 10 franchises. So we'll generally try to get a little bit creative unless, realistically, those are the only things that really apply to the given well, list. Well, actually, I actually considered all of these. Um, uh I didn't really, I wasn't actually really myself trying so much to avoid this or that. Oh, my apologies. But, that's, um, that's where my head was. But, but so for me, I mean, yes, you could make a case for any of these, definitely. Especially, I think, fun, this may be, 
an odd one to pick out, but I think especially Super Smash Brothers. Um, <laughs> I just didn't really even think of that one. But Metroid, for instance, yes, definitely. But Metroid 1 is really good for the time. Super Metroid, of course, is fantastic. You know, no holds barred. Metroid Prime is really, really good, but, like, I personally don't really love this series. Then you have stuff like Metroid... I mean, I guess really Metroid Other M is really the only one that didn't get good reviews. I, I haven't played a lot of these. Part of that is... Part of the Metroid one is I haven't played a lot of them. I love Super Metroid. I really like the original Metroid, but I'm, I've never really been interested in any of the others. Mario... You've got, there are a few that I haven't played. Yes, definitely super consistent, but I felt like, I don't know, maybe I should have had that one. I, 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 I probably just didn't think that one through enough. Then Zelda, like, I don't love Link to the Past like everyone does. Um, the one on Game Boy, uh, Link's Awakening, I think it's pretty good. I don't really love that one either. Then I know you have Zelda 2, that's supposed to be really bad. I've never played it. You have Majora's Mask, which, Jay, I know you love, but I know a lot of other people don't like. I haven't played that either. So Zelda was a combination of I haven't played a lot of them, and I've heard bad things about a lot of them. Donkey Kong, I mean, I guess you could say that, but I mean, the original Donkey Kong, I don't think it's that great. Donkey Kong Country, I really don't think it's that great either. So that was kind of my... My own thought process, thinking thinking through those. Mario, maybe I did sort of fumble that one. Yeah, but I don't know. Anyway, sorry, that, that's 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 just to answer Jonathan's question there. No, of course. Uh, Jonathan goes on to say, then Rob, oh Rob, how you troll me. The blatant disrespect for my most consistent role-playing experience of my youth and adult life. Trust me, for every fanboy that has taken a dump on one of the Final Fantasy games and talked about how bad they are, there are people out there who also talk smack about games on your list. I don't understand how such a groundbreaking experience through multiple generations could be the opposite of consistent. One, two, and three had limitations, but sure, that's mainly because they're almost as old as I am. They were amazing experiences in the time and that they were created and laid the groundwork for many of your favorite franchises today. Four, five, and six were the holy grail of JRPGs and were only eclipsed by the most famous entry of the brand. Sure, eight has doubters and rightfully so to some degree, but it also has some cool mechanics that were new and daring that the game ha- and the game tried something different to grow the genre. Nine went back to some of the original roots and made the game great in the first place and won the hearts of the tried and true back over. Ten was, well, just ask Jay. Eleven tried to embrace a new gaming generation with MMO mechanics. Twelve was, again, a daring embark into the real-time battle system. And thirteen, well, maybe that was MGS5. Um, a game that wasn't great but still fun for a lot of people. 14, well, I mean, you are jamming out on that, and I think you said 15 was your favorite yet. Maybe I'm not misquote, maybe... I haven't played uh, 15. Maybe, okay. I have barely played it myself. Uh, maybe not. I may be misquoting you, but it was an awesome kind of open-world game. It had some great spinoffs like Tactics and Crystal Chronicles, and yes, even some misses like Dirge of Cerberus, but Final Fantasy is the definition of a franchise that has consistently pushed boundaries, exceeded expectations, and delivered quality experiences to its fans. The stories are always jam-packed with emotional roller coasters and events and lore that have inspired us for over 33 years. To think that this franchise may actually be on Rob's list of eight <laughs> inconsistent franchises this week was mind-blowing. My okay. rant is done. Oh, okay, go sorry. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
Oh, as I say, Jonathan closes out by saying, my rant is done. I do want to say, though, that I hope you get a chance to play four and five. Those two titles were are, excuse me, are some of the best and most underrated, along with nine, in my opinion, of the entire franchise. Personally, I wish they'd go back to turn-based, but they probably can't because they evolve with the times. Thanks again for all you do. Jay, what do you have to say to this? So so what I my answer to this is, yes, maybe most of the Final Fantasy games are good. But that doesn't mean that it's not inconsistent. As he said, there, you know, one is okay, depending on, you know, I like it a lot, but I think I like it a lot more than most people do. Two and three, I can say, are not good. Eight, I've heard very bad things about. Twelve is good if you play the right version. Uh, Thirteen is supposed to be really bad. Thirteen two is supposed to be bad. Thirteen three is supposed to be bad. Ten two is supposed to be really bad. Tactics advance, I've heard from you, Jay is very, very bad. And that's not even to mention a lot of, like, he's a dirge of Cerberus. That's supposed to be bad. A lot of the other kind of, like, spin-off ones that, that, that aren't great. Yeah, there are fantastic ones. Four, I, apparently five, six, seven. I love ten. Eleven, fourteen. Fifteen's supposed to be not that good. Um, I don't, I don't see how you could say this is a consistent franchise. Uh, Any thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I got, I got again. So I want to look at this from two perspectives. I think there's one to, to look at it from the quality perspective, which, I mean, to your point, I think it's going to be based on each person's experience. I think some people we've had people adamantly write in, write in about eight being one of their favorite, or if not uh, their favorite of the series. So I, I think from that perspective, I, I think it's going to be based on the person's person's ideals. For me, it was I was looking at it from the perspective of of the inconsistency and sort of this the stylistic approach. Yes, the the streamlined one through I guess twelve. We're, we're generally not even 1 through 12 because you had Tactics and 11, which was an MMO and a turn-based strategy RPG. Uh, but generally, I mean, the, you know, the genre obviously had its core, which was, you know, turn-based RPG. But then they've also expanded into so many different things. That That's kind of the approach I was looking at. I was trying not to get into the quality of it, especially for something like this, because I, I think there is a good variance in people's opinions and perspectives on it. Especially, I think generally what I've seen is... Whichever one people played first uh, that came out pretty much like six on is their favorite, it seems like. Because for me, it was like seven was my favorite for the longest time, but now it's kind of nine or ten. But for most people, it's like, oh, the first one I played was seven. Seven's my favorite. I think seven was a lot of people's first uh, attempt at a newer Final Fantasy. So I don't know. It it is interesting. I I always love to hear people's different opinions on it. But from a quality perspective, I think it's just going to be based on person to person. Okay. Yeah. All right, next. That's it. Thank you, Jonathan. Next is from James, comma, a Hoosier. He says, hey, fellas, thanks for your in-depth discussion of my last email. It was cool to hear your thoughts on religion and video games. I'm looking forward to hearing your reviews of Beautiful Joe. Here is his Beautiful Joe review. I bought Beautiful Joe as a teenager and couldn't get into it. I didn't even make it through episode one. This time around, <clears throat> I found myself hitting these frequent roadblocks. Then it would dawn on me that these were actually little puzzles and not bugs keeping me from progressing in my action game. Once I realized that Beautiful Joe is really a kind of combination puzzle action game, I slowed down and accepted the puzzle elements when they came, or just looked up the solutions, I ended up having a great time. Here are some things I was hyped about and some things I griped about while playing. Hype. Visuals, the game is gorgeous, the cell-shaded graphics really make it stand out from its peers at the time, and have aged very well. 
I especially like the background art, which at times looked like something out of a Hellboy comic. Gripe. Difficulty settings. Right away, before the game even starts, I am puzzled. <clears throat> what does kids or adults mean? I pick adult because I am one. I look it up after an hour of frustrating play and find out it's hard mode. I did not know that! I assumed as much. I played on hard mode as well. Holy shit, I thought it was... Like, kid-friendly or, like, uncensored, <laughs> basically. Like, I didn't think it was going to be anything nuts, you know? But I thought it was, like... Here's a censored version. Here's the real version. Okay, so I was playing on hard mode. I did not have any idea. Just call your difficulty settings normal and hard, you dorks. What difficulty settings did you guys play on, and did you know what you were picking when you chose? Well, I think that pretty much answered it. Jay, you said you also played on adult? I did. Okay. Hype. Movie theme details. The game's premise that Joe is in a movie is great, but there are a bunch of great details that really make it sing. The film sprocket holes... That frame the screen, the film grain overlay that comes on when Joe is out of power, the director yelling cut, cut, cut when Joe dies. My favorite is the pause screen, which has a different director dialogue cued to his actors for each episode. Take a break, bathroom, etc. Gripe. Mystery movement. I could have used more tutorials on Joe's moveset. There are quite a few moves that you need to know to finish the game, like uppercut punches, moving quickly while in slow-mo, and slow-mo punching while zoomed in that I just had no idea were possible. I got stuck a lot and ended up turning to guides in the mid-game to learn this stuff. Did either of you have a problem figuring out Joe's moveset? I don't think I got far enough to where that became very important, but I did, but I did notice the the jumping uppercut uh, thing. I just kind of discovered on my own. I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of important for some of the bosses. Jay? Yeah, there were definitely some parts that I got frustrated with. I ultimately figured it out. It just took me a, a lot of... Uh a lot of just kind of bashing my head against the wall. Like I said before, I would get to a point, I'd be like, oh, what was the most recent ability? Probably that. That's probably what I needed to do. Alright, uh, hype. Core gameplay and level design. Let's be real, punching dudes in slow-mo is awesome, and most of the levels are really stellar. I particularly loved the submarine level, which you ended up playing, which you ended up playing right side up, upside down, and on its side. Oh, that sounds cool. The train level and Star Destroyer were also highlights. What were your favorite levels? Holy shit. Those sound awesome. I didn't get far enough to really have a favorite level. Uh, likewise, I, I think um, I think the city was probably the coolest level, but I only I only beat the third level. So uh, the first and third level were kind of boring. I feel like the city level was kind of interesting. It was it was a different visualization, and the graphics really were amplified. Excuse me, amplified the setting. I felt okay. like. Gripe. Saving. Only being able to save once per level sucks, especially when each level has oh, at yeah. least... Oh, yeah, that's a very good point. Especially when each level has at least one screen dedicated to powering up Joe, but not saving. This gets tiresome. It feels like a deliberately irritating design choice. Uh, hype. GameCube Easter Egg. On the GameCube, which is where I played Beautiful Joe, the shark boss, Grand Bruce, vomits up a GameCube when you hit him the first time. <laughs> it rules. <laughs> that's cool. Alright, he says, Final Fantasy Tactics sidebar. Jay, as a lover of tactics RPGs like the Banner Saga and Fire Emblem series, I don't, I think he's thinking of me, me on Banner Saga. Um, he says, I've decided to play, to finally play Final Fantasy Tactics. Ooh, so proud. However, after much, much research, there seems to be no clear answer as how to best play it. Here are a few noteworthy issues 
I'd love your opinion on. As the podcast's resident FFT expert, please weigh in wherever you have thoughts. All right, Jay. Which translation do you prefer? Original or War of the Lions? Besides translations, is there any other reason to prefer one or the other? I love the the original dialogue of the first one. It, it just feels more authentic, and I feel like it adds to the overall feeling and setting of the game. I will say the one for PlayStation Portable, if you can find, if you have a PlayStation Portable and you can find a copy or if you can emulate it, I believe it still has that old English type dialogue, but the visuals that they added, the cutscenes along with the voice acting is incredible. So I would say that is probably my suggested way to play it if you can find a way to do it. Okay. Do you know if the mobile port of War of the Lions is worth playing even though it appears to have no controller support? I don't, and I would not play it on mobile. I, I'm just not a huge mobile gaming person to begin with, so I'm just kind of hating on it without playing it. I did. I will say the reviews are really good on it. But uh, that's I've actually the, that's the version that I played. I played the iOS version of this game, and I actually thought it was pretty good. I mean, I thought the game was great. I don't have anything to compare it to, though. Um, hmm. It is the War of the Lions version, which which you said the original is the way to go. So. <clears throat> that aside, if you're going to play War of the Lions, I think the mobile or, you know, in my case, specifically the iOS version is all I can speak to. It was perfectly fine. I didn't have any issues playing it on iOS. I think, again, they're, based on what I've heard you say, Jay, and based on my experience, it does sound like, yes, the original is the way to go. But, if you're again, if you're playing War of the Lions, I think mobile is is fine. Um, all right, Jay, have you played with the slowdown improvement patch? How necessary is this to a positive experience? Never heard of it. Okay. Do you have an opinion on the definitive way to play? What's the gold standard if cost and convenience are not considered? What console version, etc.? I think I just talked about it. PSP. As long as I believe the dialogue is that, that I don't know if it's old English or what the hell you want to call it, but... The, the original dialogue. I think it was on the PSP version. I just love the visuals. I love the voice acting. It's very smooth. And honestly, I really like the PSP. It's a nice way to be able to, because Final Fantasy Tactics, there could be times when you're in combat for upwards of like 30, 40 minutes, and it's a really great system because you can just sleep it and then come back to it. So PSP you think is the best, and then maybe PS1 would be next, yeah, right after? Yeah, I would okay. say so. Okay. Is Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, uh, I think I already know the answer to this one, an acceptable substitute for the real thing. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced is... It, it's like a the mobile version of the game if they didn't just port it over. It, it, it's like an attempt at, at, a, at a game and just not even getting close. There, there, it has some of the key core elements, but it's missing so much more. It's missing like the soul of it, if you will. I've heard, yeah, I... Immediately, I remember you griping about the game so much that uh, I knew yeah. that was... Still kind of fun, but yeah. All right. He says, top five inconsistent game franchises. As with my top five most consistent game franchises list, I check my math on these with Metacritic see attached spreadsheet. <laughs> and like, unlike last time, I will happily, happily admit that I've played most of the games in these franchises. I haven't played most of the games in these franchises since I try not to spend too much time playing things I know I won't like. Number five, Kingdom Hearts. Um, he says, I, I'm not going to, to pretend I've played any of these games or really know much about them, but by reputation alone, they belong to this list. Just to prove my point, I will list all the sequels, subtitles, 
uh, here. And yeah, we've talked about these before. Two coded, 358 divided by two days, birth by sleep, 3D dream drop distance, uh, X, which I think is actually supposed to be uh, Kai, Unchained Kai, and three. There are some even worse. There are like one or two even worse ones, I think, that he might have been missing out on here, but they're bad. No way is this a consistent franchise. Number four, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Metacritic score point spread, 13. Best game, in my opinion, Tropical Freeze. Worst game, Donkey Kong 64. Oh, wait, I was thinking Donkey Kong Country, which most people like. Okay, I don't even remember Donkey Kong 64. What makes an inconsistent franchise? If there are at least three tiers of quality, that's a red flag. This series has great good and bad games, which means it's pretty much all over the place. Great, Tropical Freeze, Country 2. Good, Country, Jungle Beat, Country Returns. Bad, Country 3, and Donkey Kong 64. I'll note here that I've never played DK64, but it looks like an absolute nightmare and was somehow the highest rated on Metacritic. Have you either of you played it? No, I have not. <clears throat> Number three, Mass Effect, point spread 18. Best, Mass Effect 2. Worst, Mass Effect Andromeda. First and third games are good but flawed. Second is a masterpiece. Fourth is a buggy mess. Star Fox, point spread 21. Best, Star Fox 64. Worst, Star Fox Assault. Star Fox and Star Fox 2 are both good games that are a little too hard to revisit because of their age. 64 is a blast. There are two GameCube games, one bad Assault, one weird but okay Adventures. The DS game, Command, has no reputation I'm aware of in a middling Metacritic score, and the Wii U game, Zero, is bad. This franchise is all over the place. That's a really good one. I should have thought of that. And number one, Metroid. In direct conflict with, with what Jonathan was saying. Um, point spread 39. Best Super Metroid, worst Metroid Other M. The series starts with a game that sounds practically unplayable today with a mapless open world and progress blocked by hidden bombable walls. Yikes, still it's atmospheric. I think that's giving a, that's, that's doing a little bit of a disservice, but I mean, can't really argue that those things are true. Metroid 2 is a gem, one of the best and spookiest Game Boy, Game Boy games. Super Metroid is a genre-defining classic. The Prime Trilogy is good, though it gets worse as it goes on. The Game Boy Advance games Zero Mission and Fusion are well-made, but missing the unguided exploration that's at the heart of the series. Weirdest of all, the game's original designer came back after a hiatus and made the most famously weird and bad Metroid game, Other M., which dishes, which ditches most of the franchise's core themes and appeal and adds lengthy, unskippable cutscenes. What a mess. Thanks, fellas. Looking forward to next time. Peace. Aw, yeah. James Hoosier. All right, Jay. You up? Yes, sir. Here we go with uh, Father Beast. All right. Father Beast says, hello, classic gamers. Father and Beast here. I've been pretty busy and not writing in for a while. So annoying. Sorry. Um, Fabi says, I've been pretty busy and not writing for, uh, in for a while as my work has had us working lots of overtime, so I'll catch you up on several shows here. Uh, first item, the game of the quarter. I did not play Mario and Luigi Superstar something something, <laughs> Superstar Saga, uh, <laughs> but I did watch a little of a Let's Play before I got bored and went back to watching Doctor Who. It looks kind of silly, but probably fun if you like a platformer. I'll be interested in how the RPG elements 
figure in. Oh, wait, you already talked about it. I must have slept through that. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely not a platformer with RPG elements. It's a uh, it's an RPG. Yeah. It's, it's just straight up an RPG. <laughs> uh, Father Beast goes on to say, for the spring, you picked Beautiful Joe. I didn't play that either since it's another console game, but I do recall that the game my mom found... Excuse me, the games my mom found podcast played that a while back, and some of them still complain about it. I watched a bit of a Let's Play on this one, too, and it looks weird as to make the Mario game look utterly mundane. As it looks so weird as to make the Mario game look interesting. Um, I I decided it was for me. It was time for me. uh, Excuse me. I decided it was time for the spring of Diablo again, and I played Diablo 2. I won't get too verbose about it. But I will say that it is still a lot of fun. But it is necessarily, but it is necessary to plan out where your skill points go and how you will play. Uh, at, and it pays to specialize in some skill or group of skills rather than spread it out over, spread out over everything. Oh, and Diablo himself is a really tough boss, and I consider it an accomplishment every time I finally beat him. Uh, coming up is the summer of Quest for Glory, and I will be playing Quest for Glory three. I realize you guys aren't in on this, so I will also uh, check in. I will also check out in some fashion whatever game you're playing for the summer. Next item, the top five. I don't have much to offer on the subject of most consistently good series since you guys and those who wrote in covered it pretty well, except for that you missed Heroes of Might and Magic. I did actually consider this pretty extensively. The only problem is I feel like there's a pretty good variance between the RPGs and the turn-based strategy game, and I couldn't really figure out where I landed on it because I haven't played enough of the RPGs, but I've read that a lot of the RPGs are not that great, and only a select few of them are good. So I was struggling where to put it. So you're, so you're I, thinking of he- so, uh, so Might and Magic in general, but if you had just stuck to yeah. Heroes, then that would have been pretty consistent. Okay, we can kind of go that route. Um, every entry is fun to play, and this is what this is Father Beast. Every entry is fun to play, and even the much maligned Heroes Four is still fun, even though it has some balance problems. Every entry is beautiful to look at as well, and the creatures are charming to watch. Even the first version, which has the most problems and worst graphics, is still fun, to, still fun to play and cool to look at. Um, Father Beast goes on to say, "I can do a half-hearted entry for a game series with the most inconsistent quality, but even that is not complete." since I did not want to miss another show trying to come up with entries so subjects. So top two game series with most inconsistent quality. Number two, Commander Keen. My first experience with, uh, with the free release of episode four, Goodbye Galaxy. Um, I, did, I, I did play on easy mode and I saved scummed a lot. Oh, save scummed a lot, I see. Uh, but I did play through the whole game and enjoyed it. I went back and tried the free episode one and just couldn't get into it. Something about how the trolls were kind of difficult to work. I also went forward uh, and played a demo of episode six, and it was ridiculously hard with pixel-perfect jumps that had to be timed exactly. I dropped right out of that one. Okay, that was lame, but the number one entry is dead. Number one, Master of Orion. This series has both one of the best games ever made, the first one, as well as one of the worst pieces of trash foisted on the public, Master of Orion 3. Huh. Uh, there were two other entries, Master of Orion 2, Battle of Antares, which I don't really get into, but was massively popular, and Master of Orion Conquer the Stars. Uh, the one from Wargaming, which was wildly anticipated and quickly forgotten. Just uh, you, you just never know what you're going to get from a game called Master of Orion. Okay, last thing. I remember one of you saying that you don't get what is the appeal of Minecraft. I have an explanation. Uh, At the heart of Minecraft is Notch's procedural terrain generation. You are plopped down in a land that invites you to go and see what is around the bend and over the hill. 
when you do go uh, when you do go and look, you will often see something worth looking at. In addition to that, the game gives you the tools. Sorry, I should make sure my mic is working to construct terrain or buildings or whatever. So the game becomes a conversation between the game and the player, making interesting and beautiful. That is the appeal of Minecraft. Well, even though I'm lax in writing in, I'm still listening, Father Beast. Thank you. Father All right. Beast. Thank you, Father Beast. Got a few more. Ah, here we go. Hey guys, Trav here from Drunk Friend slash Nest Friend and a bevy of other failed online associations. <laughs> uh, good to hear from you, Travis. Travis says, Inconsistent game franchises got me thinking about some that were blockbusters in their day, but when they release but when they release now, there's hardly a ripple through the gaming space. Hitman Ah, Hitman seems to be one of those that people just don't care as much about anymore. I remember back in the day, Agent 47 was the coolest cat ever, murdering all the things and doing all the missions. I pissed off Mr. Clean in a nice suit. But I'm betting uh, I'm betting nowadays there's a swath of young gamers who have no idea who he is. The other that comes to mind is Bomberman. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Tons of releases over the years, even on Switch, but it's never really a big deal. A long-loved franchise that has seemed to be tapped out 30 years in and probably destined to become a mobile game entity before long. Anyway, I'm a new listener and loving the podcast so far, Trav. Thanks, Travis. Thank you so much, Travis. I appreciate it. Huh? I said welcome. Yeah. And uh, we're looking forward to having you on in the next episode. And I have to say also that um, I read this, I heard this in your voice as I was reading it. All right, next is from Andrew. Uh, let's, um, Jay, I'll, I'll let you take it. How dare you. Actually, you know what? I'll take this one's a little bit longer. I'll take this one. You can have the next one. Andrew says... I'll find the way, but I'm just teasing you. Okay. Go ahead. No, it's cool. Uh, Andrew says, hello, hope you are all well and maintaining a firm grip on virtual reality. Gonna cut straight to the chase because I am late and don't even know if this will go in on time. Top 5 Most Inconsistent Game Franchises Number 5, Mech Warrior. While this series was consistent in theme, you never knew if the game was going to run well. I loved 1 and 2, both ran great on my machine. 3 was my favorite of the series, but the game-killing bugs were in many of the missions and made it unplayable. The fourth installment wasn't much better. Mech Warrior 5 came out recently and looks fantastic. It seems to get back to the style of 3, which with much more advanced graphics and physics. Hopefully the latest game follows the inconsistent trend and turns out to be great. 4. Dark Forces, or the Kyle Katarn Saga. These games weren't great. The first was just a Doom clone, but held its own. The second was where the franchise really shone when Kyle's backstory and Jedi capabilities are revealed and utilized in some advanced gameplay for its time. Mysteries of the Sith, kind of the third game because you could play it as a standalone title, but released as an expansion, followed the trend well. After that, it got it all got weird and wonky. The next few games had better lightsaber fights, but more bugs and incoherent stories. I would love another Kyle Katarn tale in the vein of Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, though I am fairly certain that will never happen in today's Star Wars climate. Number 3, Driver. Loved the original, and I loved what they did in 2, but then 3 came out and was trying too hard to be GTA 3. Driver was relevant because it was not GTA, but when they tried to copy and paste, I lost interest. They did cycle back to the original feel in parallel lines. It really turned into a ride-customizing game, which was great, 
but the feel was not the same anymore. Two, Broken Sword. I loved the original in this series, but they eventually fell prey to the same trope that caught many a game dev company unawares. This is, by, by, for anyone listening, this is a, uh, a point-and-click adventure series. 3D, he says, is the trope that they fell into. So awkward. They eventually went back to 2D and proper controls with the fifth game, and it was amazing. Number one, Monkey Island. Oh, wow. I love all the Monkey Island games as far as their stories and puzzles are concerned. However, the, consist- the, the constant control interface and graphics slash art style changes were rather jarring and set a bad tone with me for a while. I used to hate Escape from Monkey Island, the fourth installment, due to all the changes. Now I look back and appreciate it for the story and lots of fun and challenging puzzles. I'll never play it again, though, unless someone modifies it to use an actual point-and-click interface. All in all, good games, but too many changing hands. Yeah, he's got a good point um, about the style. Like, the first two are the same kind of, you know, classic point-and-click adventure look. Then the third one goes cartoony, then the fourth one goes 3D. So in that way, I I can agree with that. That's about it, friends. Just wanted to get my piece in for now. Stay safe and keep gaming. Likewise. Thank you so much, Andrew. All right, Jace, will you do us the honor of reading Chase the Night Cleaner's email? I would be happy to. Don't tell him I said that. Okay. Chase says, hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here to sweep out your filthy inbox. So how are you both? What's shaken? Robert, how are you? Good. Wow, that's some enthusiastic. Chase, I'm doing well. Just very tired, but doing good. Uh, Chase goes on to say, we are getting a new barbecue. Congratulations. My wife nice. loves to cook meat. So to me, that is a big win. Absolutely. Barbecue is nuts. Uh, Chase says, I've left this to the last minute again. So let's jump into our not in any way video game related question of the day. One is one thing. I think you meant to say, what is one thing you've done recently that made you feel like an adult? <laughs> Ooh. Nothing. <laughs> I, uh, so I, was, I, I told you guys I was, I was hospitalized earlier this year and uh, I, I, I ran everything through my insurance. Um, I ended up having to pay like three grand out of pocket, but I got half of it back because long story short. Ouch. Um, yeah, I was pretty pumped about it. I got half of it back, which is great. But then I found out that my ambulance ride uh, was not covered by, by insurance. So I knew I was going to re- receive that in the mail. I got that in the mail this week and I'm fighting it. And that is the, that is the most adult thing I've done this week. And I'm actually probably going to win. Um, so I may not have to pay it at all. Oh, hell yeah. like, it's like $1,600. So um, if uh, if that works, I will, I will feel like an adult. That's a good one. I had, what uh, a, um, a lady that I used to work with, her her uh, her uh, son had to go to the hospital, and he had to be flown into the hospital because um, he was having like a super bad. They they took him to one hospital. He was having a super bad. It was like an asthma attack or an allergic reaction or something along those lines, and they were like, "We're gonna have to fly him into this hospital." Like you know, he he only has so much time, and then. The, the her um, insurance wasn't going to cover it because they said that like the the flight wasn't necessary. Yeah, they're, they're like, trying to do the same thing to me. And like she's like, so do you think like I just ordered the helicopter? Like I asked the helicopter to come in, or do you think the doctor, you know, ordered the helicopter flight? Because I can't ask a helicopter to come pick him up. So she had to go th- like jump through all these hoops and like get a letter from the do- from the specific doctor that they had at the first hospital saying. That yes, the helicopter ride was necessary. 
Yeah, I may have to go that route as well, which is really frustrating. I'm not going to go into details, but it's going to be kind of a, a painstaking thing. But I'm hoping that I can it can push back on it because I've already reached my out of pocket maximum for the year. I've I've already met my deductible for the year. Like, it's like fuck off. Like I've already paid an obscene amount of money to my health insurance provider, which is crazy. So. Oh man, that blows. I'm sorry, I didn't know about that. That's, that's yeah. I'm sorry you're having to deal with that shit. I appreciate it. It's life. It's it's whatever. Uh, Chase says, when I was young, it was easy to get lost in games, not realize how much goes into keeping me alive with a roof over my head. But now I do adult things. Yeah, I totally get that, Chase. Uh, Chase says, this could be anything from getting a loan slash mortgage slash financing on a vehicle to other adult things you have to do around the house. Uh, Chase closes out by saying, and that is it for me. Happy happy game of the quarter day, gentlemen. And don't worry about the mess. That's what they pay me for. Regards, Chase the Night Cleaner. Thanks, Chase. I know what adult thing I've done recently. I just finished. Uh, we're in the we're we're in the like final stages of finalizing my will. Oh wow! That's the only thing. Am I in it? Uh, we'll talk. Because I might kill you if so. Just you know. <laughs> maybe we won't talk. Last one is from Jeffrey. Jeffrey says somebody asked about games with religious themes. I expect mostly. Only RPGs fit this criteria, but the titles that occurred to me were Xenogears and Breath of Fire 3. I wanted to mention that I cannot believe Metroid... <laughs> we've, had this, we've had people on both sides of this. I can't believe Metroid wasn't mentioned in the most consistent franchise top lists. That and Zelda yep, were the first two series that came to my mind. Like, okay, Zelda... I don't see... Uh, yes, it has m- very many great games, but... Jay, a lot of people don't like. Uh, I can't believe you're going down this rabbit hole again. J- Am I correct that a lot of people? I know you like it, but a lot of people don't like Majora's Mask. It's not that they don't like Majora's Mask; it's that they like Ocarina of Time more. Are Are you just saying that to, to make yourself feel better, or is that really the truth? I, I believe that's the truth. <laughs> I, mean, I could be wrong. Wasn't there? Did, what about Skyward Sword? I thought people also don't like that one. Uh, I do not know. We'll count that as a not like. Um, Zelda 2, people don't like. So there's a few. I mean, maybe it's not, you know, it's not enough to put it on the inconsistent list, but it's also enough to keep it off of the most consistent list. I think. Anyway. (laughs) Um... That, that, that and Zelda were the first two series that came to my mind. Even when Metroid went inf- went went FPS and totally shook things up with Prime, they crushed it. The worst entry is probably the original Metroid, which is a good game when adjusting for when it came out, and they even fixed that with Metroid Zero Mission. As for most inconsistent series, I have two I want to mention. Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> oh, Metal Gear Solid. The first game is great. The second game is incredibly divisive. The third is an all-timer. Four is a dumpster fire. I don't know where you're getting your information from, Jeffrey. Twin Snakes is trash. I haven't played... Isn't Twin Snakes just the remake of the, like, first two? And then five is good, but in so many ways out of whack with the rest of the series. What were you thinking, Rob? The only person wronger than you was Jay. I don't, so, know. <laughs> I don't know what he's saying. Oh, here we go. Here, okay, he's elaborating now. Final Fantasy, Jay? Seriously? Final Fantasy as a most consistent series? What the actual fuck? 
The first was groundbreaking. 4, 6, 7, 9, and 10 were all top tier. 5 and 15 were solid. 12 seemed out of place and I guess was okay. But then 2, 3, and 13 were painfully bad. Both sequels, X2 and Lightning Returns, made me want to gauge out my eyes. And if I have to even think about 8 for more than 5 seconds, I might kill myself. You forgot How- about 6. And you forgot about Tactics. <laughs> he mentioned 6. He said it was... Oh, I did 6? He oh, said 6 was top tier. Um... How is that consistent? What a garbled mess of games. All in all, I'm glad they exist and there is some real quality to at least half the games. However, if your series has highs, including multiple titles, that would all make that would make all-time greatest RPGs lists, but your lows include more than one game, which if I were stuck on a desert island with that game in a system and a TV to play it on, I would rather sit there and stare at the blank TV screen until I died of dehydration. That is not a consistent series. That's aggressive. Quite. He does say, I forgive you both. Try to stop being wrong so much. I'm going to go now and play some dinner live be- extreme beach volleyball. Oh my gosh. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, but, okay, the only thing I have is about Metal Gear Solid 2 being divisive. I would not say it's incredibly divisive. I think a lot of people were caught off guard by it. Very many people, most people, in fact, were disappointed that you don't get to play a Solid Snake for 90% of the game. But going back, most people still really did enjoy the game. I would not say it's incredibly divisive. All right, Jay, any last words uh, in defense of yourself? No, I think we've talked about it pretty extensively. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're definitely right about that. Okay, well, thank you, Jeff, and thank you, everybody else who wrote in. We got a ton of emails this time, and uh, it's really fun hearing what you guys think. So, It is. Thank you, guys. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com if you want to send us your emails about anything, or keep in mind if you want to also send a question or comment for Travis and Alex of Nest Friend, SNES Drunk, and Drunk Friend. Uh, please do. Please do. Please do. That's going to be a fun episode. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Oh, current gaming subcast? Uh, Lisa and I started painting figurines for Gloomhaven. It, oh, really? It's been, uh, yeah, we, we finished our last project. Oh, I'll send you a picture, by the way. We painted a picture yeah. of our dog. Actually, I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. I'll, t- I'll post a picture on Twitter so everybody can there see. There you go. Uh, Lisa and I, um, we painted a picture of Diego. It wasn't. We did not hand paint it or anything. We did a paint-by-numbers thing. I talked about it before. We finished that. We have, oh. We're have we working on two projects right now. One of them is we wanted to learn and start painting figurines for Gloomhaven because, obviously, with the new one coming out, we wanted to get some practice, but also just that was kind of fun. And Lisa's done, I think, three of them now. I've, done, I've almost completed one. It's... A lot easier than I expected, and it's there's a there there's a lot of room for fuck ups where you can fix it, which oh, is sure. really fun so far. Um, so I've been enjoying that quite a bit. That's cool. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. One very current, relaxing. One current game that I've played a little bit of uh, was with you, Jay. Streets of Rage Four. Oh yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. I'm not a huge fan of the Streets of Rage games. Um, when I played one about a year ago, maybe, for the podcast, I really didn't have too much fun with it. I think it was the first Streets of Rage. But uh, this one's really cool. 
the graphics are really good. The the character design and the environments all look really cool. The moves are look the moves look cool. It's like just the right level of difficulty. I feel like for a beat 'em up, I feel like they did a pretty a very admirable job of like translating the beat 'em up experiment experiment beat 'em up experience to kind of like a modern day version of that. I was uh, I really didn't think I was going to enjoy it at all, and we were just yeah, like, "What the hell? Let's give it a shot." And I actually had a lot of fun. I, I would like to try to get get through some more of it with you. We got what like five, six levels in, maybe. I think so. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, the only thing, and you and I mentioned this as we were playing, is a few of the levels kind of hit a little bit too close to home. For oh this yeah, current geez. time when you're like going through level, and it's like off in the corner, like cops beating up people and stuff. Uh, and like riot cops that you have to fight on some of those parts, like literally while you and I were playing, we're like, Oh, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. It, it was not intentional and it felt like an absolute bad taste. It was actually crazy. Yeah. But besides that unfortunate kind of just timing thing for when we played it, I was really, really impressed by the game. Um, aside from that, still playing Civ six and loving it. Still playing final fantasy seven remake. I will I will discuss that, you know, in more in depth on the podcast when I finally finish it. I'm getting I think I'm getting pretty close finally. And also the only other one that I'll mention real quick is the Nintendo Clubhouse games thing. You've seen this, right? Where it's got all the board games and stuff. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it though. It's got so it's got fifty one games in it. Most of them are classic board games like chess, checkers, and then it has like a lot of stuff from around the world. It's got some Japanese card games. It's got Rishi Mahjong, that which, which you play with. It's kind of like a card game, but you play with tiles. Uh, it's got a bunch of games that I never fucking heard of before. It's got a uh, fucking like draw, draw square. Like the, have, do you ever play the game in, in uh, like school with your friends where you would have a grid and each person draws a line? Yeah. And when you when you fill in, I don't a know square, the name of it, but I know you're talking about. Yeah, when you fill in a square, yeah, that, they have that game on there. Um, I have been playing this so so much. I have been I'm fucking hooked on yacht dice, which is evidently the basically the same as Yahtzee, but just kind of like scored a little bit differently. That game was so fucking nuts. I. Got into this, like, the most intense game against somebody on yacht, fucking yacht dice, where they had to, the only way they could beat me is, they were on their very last roll. The only way they could beat me is if they got, uh, so you roll dice in this game, if you're not familiar with it, and you get to keep a few, and it scores different ways based on what you get, but they were on their last turn. The only way they could win is if they got, uh, three sixes. So the first time they, and you get three chances to roll. The first time they roll, they got two sixes. They kept those and you roll five dice each time. They have two more turn, they have two more chances to roll the three remaining dice to get one more six. The guy rolled again, no sixes out of those two. He puts them back in. He shakes up the thing. He's got a little thing. It shows the cup shaking that's holding the dice. <laughs> and there's like a button that you press to shake it. And he shook it for like 30 seconds just to kind of like build up the tension. <laughs> he rolled it again. No sixes, so I won. It was like, somehow, for a game where you just roll dice, it was so freaking intense. 
And then I played a game of uh, of Rishi Mahjong. I started trying to learn that, which is an incredibly, I wouldn't say complex, but like complicated game. It's not it's not super deep, but it's got a million rules and like a million different hands that score different ways, and it's very very difficult to remember mm. like what you should be going for at any given time. Like the game does a really good job of saying, "Hey, all right, if you're a beginner, you should try to just kind of go for these types of hands." And it also helps you out playing along the way, like, okay, yeah, you, you can flip over and look and see, you know, what type of hands you can be going for based on what you have and all this kind of stuff. Sure. So the game does a really good job of kind of, of not only explaining the rules, but teaching it to you as you play. So I did it and I learned, read through all the rules. There are like 50 fucking different types of hands you can get. So it's really hard to remember all of that. And then there's all these random rules where like, you can steal a tile from, from this guy but only under these circumstances, and only if he's on your left side. But if he's across from you, you can steal from it under this circumstance, blah, 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 blah. It's nuts. But So I, I did that and played like one test game against just the computer. I was like, okay, I don't really know what's going on thoroughly, but I have at least kind of a vague idea. So I played a game online of this, of Rishi Mahjong, and first off, it took 45 minutes because I didn't realize how many rounds it takes to play a game of that. Mm-hmm. It took 45 minutes, and then I have no idea how the scoring works either, because when you finish a round, it'll say, like, okay, you got four of these types of points and uh, 30 of these types of points, so your total score is uh, 29,000 points. <laughs> like, Good Lord. what the fuck? So, anyway, no idea how the scoring works. Barely any idea how the game works. I was playing... I played a game online. Took 45 minutes. I thought it was going to be like 15. And then... Uh, so we're playing this one round and the round ends. I'm like, okay. Um, I guess the round ends. Let's see like what my score is. And then all of a sudden it says... You win. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> I was like, yeah, exactly. Okay, I guess I, uh, I guess I won that game. I have no idea how. Again, I had a vague idea of what I was doing, but not very... I particular, especially had no idea how I was scoring, but apparently I beat these three other sad fools uh, playing Rishi Mahjong. But um, I'm having a lot of fun. It's really interesting playing these, like, kind of like learning classic games from other cultures and then uh, and getting to play, like, you know, basic board games against each other, like Mancala, mm-hmm. playing against people online in Mancala, Gomoku. That's... Uh, Yacht Dice is maybe my favorite one, but Gomoku is... I'm the master of Gomoku. I've only met two people online that were able to beat me consistently at Gomoku. And uh, it's this Japanese game where you're lining up pebbles. It's super fun. Anyway, I didn't... I bought this game. I thought it was be kind of fun for, for me and my daughter to play. And we do still... We, we I play it a lot with her, and she's really enjoying it too. But I had no idea that I was actually going to legitimately enjoy playing it on my own. Hmm. So... Clubhouse games, I that that is a solid recommend for me. Uh, if if you're if you've been considering getting that, um, that's it for this episode of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Again, our next top five is uh, what do we what did it turn out to be? Oh, top five games with the least fitting titles. Oh yeah, that's right. Our next game of the quarter, our new game of the quarter is Civ Four. Make sure to leave us amazing reviews on iTunes. Tell all of your friends to listen to us. Thank you to all of our new listeners. I know we've got a lot of new listeners, especially since I've gone on uh, the Drunk Friend po- Friend podcast. 
So uh, thank you everybody that's been joining in and writing in. Mail at classicgaming.podcast.com. I'm at King Octavius on Twitter. I'm still doing uh, video game music covers on the yes, guitar. You are. It's it's really fun. I'm doing about one a week still, and really enjoying it. Um, cla- at Class Gamescast is where you can follow the podcast. Jay. Yes. What about you on Twitter? I agree. No. Uh, I actually don't know what my handle is. Is it? I actually don't know. I don't have my phone. Do you want me to find it? Do you want me to look it up? Yeah, if you have it. I, uh, I'm i going to change it as well because it's kind of old. Okay, it's Morrow Pro. Oh, yeah, that's right. Thank you. Just the letter J. J, letter J, Morrow Pro. Thank you for that. Uh-huh. Shows how much I've been using it. Yeah. Um, we are part of the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Check out their other podcasts. And uh, I think that's going to wrap it up finally for this episode. Thank you all once again for listening, and uh, we'll see you in three weeks, along with Alex and Travis of the Drunk Friend Podcast and other things. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you. The thank you wasn't to you, Robert. Oh.